Welcome to Nimmin Live, the number one place on the internet to learn about YouTube, network with other content creators, and have an awesome time doing it. My name is Nick, and today I'm answering your YouTube questions. So I'm not supposed to go live for about another 12 minutes um, based on you know what was scheduled. But I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go live anyway because I'm just sitting here, and the only reason I scheduled it for uh, 10 minutes later is so that I could give it the full hour for you know the notifications and all that good stuff. But hey. We're just gonna go for it. Um, so I'm supposed to be streaming with D right now and it completely slipped my mind. So D, I super apologize for that. I hope that that uh, you didn't go over there and get everything like set up and all that. Like I'm super, super sorry. I've um, just been hanging out here today. But um, for everybody else, if you are watching this on the replay, so we are adding timestamps down in the description. So basically what we do during the stream is we answer YouTube questions as they come in. So the idea is if you're watching this on the replay, make sure you check the timestamps because we might have a question that, you know, that you're looking for the answer for. So because of that, you know, make sure that you do check the description for the timestamps or you'll see those um, the sections along the bottom of the video player as well. But really, if you look down in the description, it'll be easier to navigate um, just because there's going to be really small sections for fast questions and things like that. Um, if you are here live, um, what's going on? Hope that you're doing fantastic today. Super excited to jump into the stream today and get going. Like technically, I'm not even supposed to be rolling for like another minute, technically 10 minutes per the schedule, but I'm just going for it anyway. So I hope everybody's had a fantastic week. Um, I am pumped to uh, you know come in here and start answering some uh, some questions, help you guys solve some uh, some problems in terms of uh, you know trying to figure out what it is that you know you have going on on YouTube. So I have a form down in the description below where you can get your questions if you want them answered on the stream today. Um, I just have a few in there right now. So if you want to go ahead and get your question in there, then um, there's an extremely like I mean we've only got a, a small handful in there right now. So your question will get answered if you get it in there right now. <laughs> In addition to that, I do want to let you know that today's stream is brought to you by TubeBuddy, which is the number one tool for YouTube content creators. TubeBuddy will help you optimize your videos for discovery. It'll help you test your thumbnails to make sure that the thumbnails that you are using for your videos to attract your viewers are the most effective thumbnails that you can use. Um, basically how it works is it lets you compare or swap out different thumbnails so that you can see which ones people respond to best for the different pages on YouTube, which is pretty awesome. Um, in addition to that, they also help you, you know, come up with video ideas, help you optimize your videos for discovery and all that. But they have over 90 different tools that'll help you with your channel. Um, you can check them out at tubebuddy.com slash Nimmin. Um, or of course, I'll get a link to that down in the description. And this stream is co brought to you by StreamYard, which is the live streaming platform that I use to live stream this every single Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern. And the reason that I use StreamYard um, is because it's easy to add graphics to the screen, like you can see right here, right? So I can just kind of rotate through, you know, like whatever graphics that I want to add on the screen and they'll pop up here. Um, in addition to that, they also make it easy to bring guests onto the stream. Um, they make it easy for me to um, add like videos here or, you know, graphics uh, into here. They're recording all of this in the background. So I can have that as a replay without it having to tax my computer with recording happening right here and they run everything in the cloud. So if I have a problem with my stream, it's really easy to recover, come back into the stream without losing the audience, which is fantastic. So you can try that out as well at streamyard.com. Um, or of course, I've got a link to that down in the description as well. And Chantel is dropping the links to TubeBuddy and to StreamYard in the chat right now. So make sure that you check that out. Thank you, Chantel, for doing that. So 
Before we get started, I just want to give some shout outs really quick. Brad, Magic Flying Potato, what's going on? Daniel Patel, hope that you are doing fantastic, my friend. Um, Podcast Creators Hub, nice to see you in here. Dean Emmon, um, also in the um, also in the house right now. Um, Chantel Hills, what's going on? I'm worth it. Nice to see you here in the chat today, Creator Classroom. As always, nice to see you hanging out here as well. So uh, Blue Eyed Tech, what's going on? Hope that you're doing great. So as we um, get rolling here, I'm going to just go ahead and I'm going to jump into the forum so we can go ahead and start, you know, answering some questions and seeing what we have here so the very first question that we have is from one step um one step actually you know what doug i got that option now for the moderation and uh let's see here i can remove i can't upgrade hmm, that's interesting so i can remove a standard yeah we'll figure that out later so the very first question is from one step they make fighting games the goal of the channel is to turn their skills and knowledge into a fun and profitable career and speaking of this um so just as a quick heads up for everybody um I put out a live stream yesterday. Before I answer this question, I just want to, you know, kind of add some clarity to some stuff really quick. So I put out a um, live stream yesterday talking about Section 230 and how it could negatively, you know, impact YouTube. And um, the comments for that were pretty interesting. So a lot of people, you know, kind of understood what was going on. But there are some other people um, that were in the comment section saying things about um, just things that weren't really related to the subject matter. So if you are not familiar with what's going on there, um, Basically what it is, is it's kind of a, not kind of, it is a Supreme Court um, case that could essentially impact how YouTube is allowed to recommend content to people to where they might not be able to recommend content to people depending on the outcome of this case. Um, so I really recommend that you take a look at that um, when you get the chance. It's the last piece of content that I uploaded on the channel. So make sure that you check that out because as content creators, of course, you should make sure that you are informed, um, especially for you know things like this that are happening. So make sure that you check that out. Um, but but I just wanted to make sure to spread awareness about that really quick here at the beginning of the stream um, so that we can, you know, um, uh, continue forward. <laughs> but the question is, um, let's see here. It says, my dude, hope you're doing well. Um, first, tell us everything you can um, about shorts. I've been super aggressive in shorts lately, and it's been fun, easier, and even getting better views. Now, my real question is, um, how many shorts per day is too many? to less. I've been doing two to three on days that I don't do long form. It's sustainable for me, but I'm wondering what's the limit. Um, is there one? And what do you recommend when it comes to uploading long and long form and shorts? Thanks for all you do. So um, when it comes to the limit of how many you can do per day, um, I really don't know um, if there is a limit. Um, hopefully, you know, Renee will come in here um, later and help, you know, kind of add some clarity to that. But in terms of me knowing an, an actual limit, as of right now, um, I'm not sure of a very specific limit. Um, I haven't ran across anything about that. Um, but one thing that I do want to tell you, I'm actually in the process of listening through it myself because it's a really long interview. Um, but Colin and Samir, um, they did an interview with YouTube staff. Actually, um, one of the people is, uh, Renee is actually um, a part of this. Um, and also um, Todd, who is uh, who runs shorts over at YouTube. And um, so far, it's pretty interesting. So I recommend everybody check that out as well so that you can see, you know, so you can get from YouTube um, the details, you know, about YouTube shorts, how they work, you know, things to keep in mind and that kind of stuff as well. So I'm also going through that myself, but it's like, I think it's like an hour and 20 minutes for the interview. Um, so, you know, definitely make sure that you check that out and that will help you kind of answer some of those questions. But in terms of a limit, um, I'm not sure as of this moment in time. Uh, next question that we have is from um, Ernesto Esparza. Ernesto, hope you're doing great, man, says um, they do gaming content. The goal is to reach 50 subscribers. And the question is, what view, uh, what viewers do I make more new videos every month? What viewers do I make more new videos every month? 
Um, I, th there might be a typo in here because I, I, I'm not sure what the question is. Um, so maybe you're saying what videos do you make every month? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what the question is there. If you're, if you're trying to uncover like what videos that you should be making for your viewers every month. Hey, David, what's going on, man? Welcome to the chat. What's going on, Ronnie? Um, if, uh, uh, if you're trying to figure out what videos to make for your audience every month, first off, just think about, you know, the type of content that they come to you for already and try to think of something that would that would make sense based on the content that you've previously up, previously uploaded to your YouTube channel um, so that you can make sure that you are serving that particular audience with the type of content that they come to your channel for. Right. So when it comes to, you know, deciding on the content that you make, of course, you can do some research and you can figure out, you know, things that people are looking for so that you can use that as kind of a gauge in terms of the popularity of a topic that you, you know, might might be considering, um, depending on the approach that you take. You can also try to come up with something unique as long as it would be something that you think would resonate with your particular audience. But if you're just getting started, one of the things that is uh, a, a typically good path to follow is that you just, you know, hop into like YouTube, go to their uh, search bar and start typing in things about the, cause you do gaming content, start typing in things about the game that you play. And YouTube is gonna start showing you all the different things that people are searching for. So when you have that information, then you can say, okay, well, these are the types of things that people are interested in in this game. So based on the things that I want to make right now, what I'm currently offering on my YouTube channel, the direction that I plan to go with my channel, the goals that I have for my channel and so on, what would be the, you know, the, the piece of content that I would need to make, right? Or that I should make um, for, for my audience. Um, let's see here. Next up on our list, round number three already. We're moving. Love it. Love it. Not even supposed to be live yet. I'm, I'm not supposed to be live for another three minutes, two minutes. King CMC TV says they do daily content. Um, the type of channel is gaming. The goal of the channel is to monetize. And the question is, I do live streaming once. Um, I end my stream. I have the option to edit it to save a copy. And the original will still be saved as a live stream. The copy part will be an uploaded version. Um, if I edit the YouTube copy video version, change titles and thumbnail, will that be considered the same video? Or should I just edit the video as a live stream on YouTube and lose the video? video chat. Um, I would just do the video chat. Um, that's actually what I do do. So on mine for the live streams where I don't start it um, quickly, then what I'll typically do for like my new segments and stuff, what I'll typically do there is I will go in and I will trim off that that little bit of dead space on the front. And when I do that, of course, you know, it causes the live stream to disappear. And um, but then I just save it, you know, right there on the spot. Now, I do know that some people have issues with um, doing that. And it, when when they hit the save button, then it automatically will save a copy instead of the stream. I've never ran into this personally, but this is something that um, channel members have mentioned to me last week, actually, um, uh, at the end of last, or no, it was this week, actually, on Monday. Um, and I have an email out for that so I can get some clarity on what's going on there um, as well for, uh, you know, from, from YouTube. Um, next up, we've got samples and tests is the name of the channel. They upload one time per uh, week. They do variety content. The goal of the channel is that the goals are always changing. Um, right now, it's just to learn, have fun, and eventually make some money. Um, question is. If you're enjoying the show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend right now. As I'm writing this, I'm watching your new segment. Oh, 
There you go. Um, as I'm as I'm writing this, I'm watching your new segment on the Google um, v. Gonzalez. Are you planning on making a dedicated video with legal and tech experts as guests? Because I'm not a legal expert, but some of your language made it sound like it was legislation and not a court case with terms like if this passes. Also, I believe anyone can file a brief with the Supreme Court. Um, again, I'm not a legal expert, so I'm not sure. And I have no idea um, if doing so will put the process in havoc. But overall, thanks for the info. So there's and if you go to that video, um, at the very top of the comment section, I pinned a link to a video that Legal Eagle put out. Um, currently, it's got almost a million views on his channel. But basically, um, that particular video, he's a lawyer. So he understands you know, all aspects of, of what's going on with that. So I really recommend that you check out um, the video that I have pinned there because I put that there as the resource because I'm not a lawyer, right? So for me, I'm like, you know, compiling this information. <laughs> I'm putting it all together. And I'm like, you know, all this legal speak. And like you're saying, you know, I'm not sure the exact, you know, way to kind of, you know, you know, like in the legal world, every way that you use a word matters. And because of that, you know, that's why I made that disclaimer in, the, in that piece of content that I'm not, you know, a lawyer, because I knew that I would, you know, kind of jumble it up that way. But that's also why I have that um, pinned at the top of the comment section there from the Legal Eagle video, um, so that you can check his out and, you know, and hear it actually in legal speak, but also kind of dumbed down so that, you know, so that we can understand things a little bit better as well. Um, next up on our uh, list here, um, and if you're just joining the stream, what we are doing is we are talking about YouTube related stuff. Um, just getting, you know, just getting moving here and um, pretty much everything that we are talking about um, is coming from the form that is down in the description of this stream right now. So make sure that you, um, if you have, one, you know, if you have a question that you want answered, make sure that you do check out the, um, the form and put your question in there. It's free to do so. So, you know, make sure that if you do have a question, you put it down there. Um, Blue Eyed Tech says they do tech reviews. Um, the goal of the channel is to grow a community and help people make buying decisions with tech while hopefully making an income doing what I love. And the question is, good morning, Nick. Good morning says, hope you're doing well. I just wanted to know um, if there's an upload schedule that is optimal for growth or does it just depend on the topic or the content that's being made? Thank you for taking the time to answer my question. Yeah, so when it comes to your upload schedule, it really comes down to you know, the type of content that you make, the audience, and like how good the videos are too. Like, you know, some people can upload once a month, but the response that they get is so good in terms of people enjoying their content, clicking on it at a high rate, sharing it a lot, things like that. And that one upload a month, you know, that's all they need to do. Um, other people, you know, they will upload like once every like two or three months. And because they have, you know, some external things that they can kind of share that content with, um, then, you know, that will end up driving some initial traffic there as well, plus whatever YouTube does, and then that will get that content off the ground. So, you know, it really comes down to, you know, what it is that you're trying to do, how aggressive you are um, as well, because, you know, of course, if you're uploading more content and it's all quality content, like once you figure out that, that standard threshold to where you're like, okay, this is my line. So if it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't, uh, if it's not up to up to this line, then I'm not going to publish it. But as long as it's up to this line, it's good, and I'll put it out. Um, you know, the more of those that you do, the more chances you're giving yourself for one learning information about how people are responding to what it is that you're doing, so that you can modify you know things as you're moving along quickly. Um, it helps you quickly build up your skill sets just in general. And in addition to that, it gives you a lot more content to put out there for people to binge watch and things like that. So you know, if if you had like all all the time in the world and you were super efficient, then in that case, you know, you could do like daily content. Um, but if you're like, hey, I just wanna, you know, make one really good video per week, you can do that as well. Um, as long as people are responding, you know, positively to the content, then that one video a week can be enough. Um, let's see here, Demons Row. 
Thank you for the super, super chat, man. Chat. Says, um, would love for you to do a full video on how to properly fair um, use review a video the right way to have no issues. So I've actually um, had that request in the past and I'm, I, I haven't done that video and I'm probably not. And the reason that I'm probably not is because there's a lot at stake there. Um, and if somebody were to either misinterpret, you know, how I said it, um, or if, you know, if they were to just get a strike anyway or something like that, then in that particular case, it would kind of fall back on me. So because of that, I've always avoided that particular video because it is a legal thing. And fair use is, you know, it's a defense. It's not, you know, a law within itself. It's a defense. So, you know, because of that, I've, I've intentionally uh, avoided that video because the ripple on that um, you know if I made a video and let's say you know 20,000 people watch that video and you know out of that 20,000 people let's say 5,000 of those people take the information and they apply it out of those people let's say you know you have a uh, hundred of them that you know do something incorrectly or they just end up getting a strike anyway or whatever that they have to dispute then you know they're going to be sending emails to me about it and and all of that so that's kind of you know that's kind of why I I've, I've avoided that one Super Monkey D. Shots. Wade says, um, did a rebrand uh, while my subs have been going up, my views are going down, maybe I niched down too much. Um, so it probably wasn't the rebrand in terms of, you know, like you, if you change your channel name, stuff like that, that's probably not it. Um, it would come down more to the content itself um, than it would be like your channel name, you know, logo graphics and stuff like that. Um, so what I recommend that you do is go and look at what was happening on your channel and your YouTube analytics. You can go in and you can compare date ranges. So what you can do is you can say, okay, while everything was thriving, this is what my channel looked like. This is where all my traffic was coming from. Um, I was getting, you know, tons of suggested traffic, tons of homepage traffic, or maybe tons of search traffic, or maybe I had like three videos that were just crushing it in search. But then now if I compare that to what's happening on my channel now, you can literally see the lines, you know, um, with your traffic sources when you do this. But you can say, okay, now if I compare what's happening on my channel now, maybe I'm, you know, not getting as much suggested traffic, or maybe some of those search videos fell off, or maybe the ones that recommend that YouTube is recommending highly um, through their browse features, maybe, you know, those aren't, aren't getting, um, as much traffic now. So therefore the things that were feeding the channel, the videos that were feeding the channel, uh, maybe they're not, you know, pushing as strong, um, right now. So they might come back or you just might need to make, you know, more content that ends up, you know, doing as well as those videos that kind of helps, you know, move the channel, uh, helps move the channel forward. Um, let's see here next up on the list is, uh, Synergy Gaming. Synergy Gaming says they have a gaming channel. The goal of the channel is to become monetized and have YouTube as a full-time career one day. Um, the question is, for my shorts, I get up to one to 2,000 views and then they never get more than that. Is it because of my low sub count or YouTube doesn't want to show that short anymore? For my shorts, I get one to 2,000 views and they never get more than that. Is it because of my low sub count? It's not because of your low sub count and it's not that YouTube doesn't want to show the short anymore. Um, so when it comes to YouTube, the system itself, it doesn't have opinions, right? Um, basically what you're doing is you're, it, it's a computer. So because, I mean, it's, it's servers and all that good stuff, but basically like when it comes to, um, you know, YouTube not wanting to show your content anymore, that's not, that's not how the whole thing works. So it does, you know, like the system doesn't have any opinions on your content that, you know, like it, it's, it's, it's watching your content, so to speak, and it's identifying things in your content and it's doing that for context to better understand, you know, what the videos are about so it can serve it to the right people and all of those things. But it doesn't look at your video and say like, oh, this is a bad video, people probably won't like this, right? Um, so instead, what the system does is it leans on the feedback 
that it gets when people are interacting with the content. So what that means is, let's say that you publish a short today and YouTube is showing it, you know, in the shorts feed to people and people are like, you know, there's some, you know, initially people are enjoying it, they're watching it a lot. Uh, maybe they're interacting with it in the comments or, you know, giving it thumbs up, you know, those sorts of things. Maybe some of those people are going in um, and they're looking at your short shelf on your page and they're watching a handful of additional shorts, things like that. So you're able to stack up the additional watch time, keeping viewers engaged and all that stuff. And then as they start showing it to more and more people, let's say people start responding to it a little bit less and then a little bit less and then a little bit less. And then as that happens, then that feedback that they're getting from the people that they're showing the content to, as that starts dropping off in terms of their interest, then the system will pull back on, on showing your videos to more people. And instead it will prioritize other content that is keeping that group of people engaged, that is keeping those people, you know, interacting more um, with the platform, watching more videos and so on. Super Rapid chat. Repair DIY. What's going on? Hope you're doing awesome. It says 24, 23 years as a licensed contractor, now three months on YouTube. Our daily shorts would get okay views and then flatline quickly. Now the previous shorts are starting to take off again. Any thoughts? Um, I'm actually noticing a, a little bit of a lift um, in some old shorts as well. Um, but when it comes to the previous shorts are starting to take off again, um, my guess is, you know, with people starting to like, you know, give comment replies and things like that with shorts. I don't know um, in terms of what they're doing internally, you know, with YouTube shorts, but um, when it comes to, you know, them starting to take, take off again, how that would typically work, like let's say that it was a piece of normal video content, is YouTube takes a video that, you know, people had, you know, in the larger groups that they were showing it to, they started responding to it less, so therefore YouTube started prioritizing other content, like I was actually just talking about with the other short um, uh, question. And then they end up, you know, still testing it, you know, giving it impressions, you know, here and there, and then they end up finding another audience that, you know, that do respond to that content, and they start showing it to those groups of people, and then that can cause, you know, videos to take off off out of nowhere that can cause shorts to take off again out of nowhere. Um, so that type of thing is really common on YouTube in terms of some content. This doesn't happen to every video, of course, but some content, even content that you publish, like if you publish a video and right out of the gate, you're like, oh man, I wish this would have done better. I expected so much more out of this. In some cases, all of that will end up coming, you know, down the road. It just sucks, you know, initially, and it's going to take a little bit of time to, you know, teach the system who's a good fit for that particular video. But that like what you're dealing with is a really common thing when it comes to YouTube about, you know, publishing content, you know, it does okay for a bit and then it kind of goes into a lull and then they find another audience for it. And then it'll kind of, you know, go through that audience and it'll have, you know, a life cycle through that group of people that they're showing it to. But another thing that's cool with that is in some cases, what can happen is you can have, um, you can have where, um, um, at least for video content, you can have it to where, you know, they can nail that audience and those videos where you thought were previously dead might end up being like primary traffic drivers to your channel. <laughs> like it's crazy um, how how those sorts of things uh, work. But hey, really quick, uh, Renee Ritchie, hey, thanks for, uh, for, uh, for um, sharing this, Renee says um, feeds don't have impressions. So if you don't have enough regular engagement, you may get a seed audience to test your short. Um, it shows up as views. If it's competitive, it'll grow. If not, it'll stop. So basically, you know, that comes down to the good old fashioned, uh, you know, way that everything works on YouTube. And that is, you know, if people are responding at a high rate, then, you know, the system will favor that content. If the people don't respond to it that well, then, you know, people are not people, but YouTube will then, you know, prioritize the content that does keep people, you know, the most engaged. 
Um, let's see here. So next up on our list, we have, let's see. Okay, we're on number seven already. See, we're moving through these. So if you are just joining us, we are talking about all things related to YouTube. Um, and there's a form down in the description um, where people are putting their questions and I'm answering them in the order that they are received. So if you are just joining us, I do wanna let you know that we have you know, a lot of you know, different things that we talk about here during the stream, all kinds of different things that we deal with as content creators. There's a lot of questions about getting views and subscribers and stuff like that. There's also a lot of additional questions about other things that we deal with as a content creator. Um, so you know, I do encourage you to hang out for a little bit because one, you can get your question in the form and get an answer on the show today. Um, two is that you know there might be somebody else that's asking a question that you didn't really know that you had until you hear it, and then you're like, oh yeah, I wondered that too, <laughs> right? So uh, definitely make sure that you uh, you know check uh, check that out for a bit, check this out for a bit. But um, the next channel is Tara and Katrina. Tara and Katrina does daily content. They do Roblox music videos and edits. The goal of the channel is to hit monetization and be part of the Roblox creators community. And the question is, I made a music video to a very popular Korean song called Moodlight Sunrise, and it was trending, got a thousand views, but only one subscriber. Do you know why this could be? Um, so first off, actually, I'll, I'll finish your question. So the, the music video was great, and I got lots of positive comments. Thanks for reading my question and taking the time to uh, look at it. Your content's so informative and has helped my channel a lot. So thank you for the kind words. Um, so when it comes to um, you know generating subscribers from content, some content, um, of course, will generate subscribers at a higher rate. Some videos will generate subscribers at a higher rate. You can go and look at your own channel for this. And what you'll see is you'll see that some of the videos you publish, um, you know, those will convert people, you know, at a very high rate. And then other videos that you publish, like, you you know, it'll seem like a ghost town in comparison. So, you know, this can happen, you know, in terms of a channel as a whole to where, you know, when people are coming, let's say, for example, the only thing that you make is how to content. And this is a common problem for automotive channels. So I'm going to just target them. So let's say you're making how to content for an automotive channel. And as part of that content, let's say you're talking about, you know, Hondas, you're talking about Toyotas, you're talking about Ford, you're talking about BMWs, you're talking about um, Teslas, you're talking about, you know, just all kinds of different cars and how to fix all these little problems that people are having with their cars. So the problem with content like that um, is that, you know, if somebody, you know, comes in and they search for like how to fix a carburetor on a, you know, uh, a, a Ford Ranger. <laughs> I don't know why I picked Ford Ranger, but if they're like, hey, you know how to pick a, how to change a carburetor on a Ford Ranger, then in that particular case, what can happen is they're just looking to fix that problem. They don't care about subscribing to the channel. They're probably not gonna be coming back you know, anymore. They just watched that one video, solve their problem, and then they moved on from there. So in your particular case, like one thing that could happen is you know, maybe they enjoyed that song. Maybe they thought the song was cool. Maybe they thought the video was cool, but it wasn't something that made them feel like, oh yeah, I, I, I need to subscribe to this. I want more of this. I gotta make sure I'm checking it out. Or because you did say that you do Roblox, you do music videos, and you do edits, so another thing that could happen is you could have pulled them in from that music video and then they go to your YouTube channel to see what else you have to offer. And then they find out like, oh, hey, they don't have a lot of content like this. So because of that, maybe they really enjoyed that content. That's where you get those comments from and things like that. But maybe once they got to your channel, they're like, oh, okay, this isn't actually what I thought it was. So I'm just gonna enjoy that video and then I'm just gonna go watch something else, right? So um, so when it comes to you know people subscribing, people definitely subscribe for tons of different reasons, but you know, uh, making 
making a channel more subscribable is definitely something that you can do. So like, for example, if we take that automotive um, scenario, and of course you can apply this to you um, as well, depending on the type of content that you make for everybody here. But like, if you take that automotive scenario, what can happen is let's say that you have that channel and, you know, instead of it being to where they're fixing Hondas and they're fixing Toyotas and they're fixing Fords and Chevys and Teslas and BMWs and like everything, if it was a channel that only worked on like, you know, Ford pickup trucks, then in that case, it would become a lot more subscribable because then if somebody had a Ford pickup truck, they could be like, oh, this is a resource to where if I have any problems at all with my truck, then I'll be able to get, I'll be able to figure out how to fix it here, right? Then that becomes instantly more subscribable compared to like, oh, they've got like three videos on how to fix my truck and I don't need those other two. So I'll just look for it again if I, if I have that problem, right? So you can definitely make channels more subscribable. And that's also why, you know, people recommend that you niche down as well. Um, in addition to that, um, it's also important if you are trying to get people to, you know, subscribe more. Um, if you ask people to subscribe, it's effective. People, you know, will subscribe and you don't have to cram it down their throat. You can just work it in naturally in your content somewhere where there's a law or where you have just a little bit of space to say it. Just mention, hey, I put out videos like this every X and X. So if you are, you know, enjoying this, remember to subscribe. And by doing that, you're not, you know, interrupting the viewer experience. It's just a moment that you take to mention it while something else is happening or starting or while they're, you know, if you're on gaming content like you are, then in that case, they're waiting for something to load or something like that. Um, when you drop those little reminders in, it takes the people that might not have been even thinking about it because they're not content creators or whatever. So instead they're sitting there thinking, you know what? I'm gonna sit here and, uh, you know, uh, I'm just sitting here like enjoying this content. But when you hit them with that reminder to subscribe, then what can happen is they're like, oh yeah, you know what? I actually, I am enjoying this. So let me, you know, let me hit that button to subscribe. That's the idea. Um, Demon Drill says, can you talk a little bit about moving to Thailand? Did you um, YouTube first or did you start there? Is it better there? Is it hard to get equipment, et cetera? So when it comes to um, here locally, um, you can get most of what you need here. I mean, you know, most of what I have has been sourced from here or from Amazon. Um, keep in mind that electronics due to import tax can, um, you know, you're, you're paying a higher fee than you, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna say should. <laughs> so you're paying a higher fee than you should um, pay just based on, you know, import tax and stuff, but you can get most of what you need here. There are little nuanced things that are difficult. Like for example, at one point in time, I was looking for um, like sound panels, right? Like I can get, you know, like sound panels that I ordered off of Amazon, but I was looking specifically for like, you know, like rock wool, you know, sound panels that you can get and you can get some really cool stuff like in the States. Um, but here um, I had, uh, like, I couldn't find anybody that was like willing to build them or anything like that. So the only solution that I would have had was to have, you know, one person build the frames and then get the rock wool from somewhere else and then take it somewhere else and do the fabric or, you know, put it all together myself. And, um, because of that, when when the uh, when the rock wool, you know, option was there and I was sitting there trying to, you know, figure out, you know, where I could, you know, get everything. That was just one of those nuanced things that was like, yeah, this is going to be a little bit more difficult. Now they do have other solutions, you know, for like sound treatment and stuff like that. So it's not like you can't get an option, but sometimes you just can't get the option that you want. Um, in terms of it being better here, um, you know, th there's positives and negatives with everything, you know, like, um, you know, like when it comes to here, one of the things that um, that is nice is that the people here are typically pretty awesome. And depending on the areas that you live, um, the people can be like really awesome. So there's some, you know, there's some areas to where, you know, if you go there, um, the people are cool, but you know, there's also some pretty, you know, uh, you know, rough, 
um, I'm not going to say dangerous, but just, you know, people that are there for the sake of, you know, trying to, you know, get what they can from tourists, right? Um, and then other areas, people are just mostly cool. So as long as you're living in the area that's mostly cool, or you just understand like, hey, some of these people are going to be this way if I'm in one of those like really, you know, super high, you know, tourist areas where, you know, they kind of prey on tourists in some circumstances, then in that particular case, as long as you know that, um, you know, when you're coming in, then it can be okay. Um, but in terms of me personally, I love the lifestyle. I love my routine that I do every day. Um, it's pretty boring, to be honest with you, in terms of my day-to-day -day life. Um, but, you know, it's it's what I prefer. <laughs> so because of that, you know, I can say, you know, for me, I really enjoy it here. I love, you know, all aspects of, of my lifestyle here. Um, the only thing that I don't like um, is right now we have, um, we're just start, I mean, technically it's been going for a while, but we, we have burn season right now. Um, and with burn season where I am, because we're surrounded by mountains, what can happen is it the, 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 where the farmers burn in like all over this country and the surrounding countries, it ends up being like a trap for the smoke. So because of that, um, what ends up happening is the air quality can get really bad. So I've got like an air purifier over here. I've got air purifiers in all the other rooms. And because of that, you know, you have to have that, you know, added level of, you know, just awareness about that kind of stuff. Um, but that happens typically for a short time um, out of the year. It's usually like two to three months, um, usually one bad month. But this year, it's actually been going on for um, quite some time, unfortunately. But hey, if, if you're like considering moving here, um, just hit me up on Twitter. Just shoot me like a DM or shoot me an email through the um, email on my About Me page. And, um, and you know, I can, I can, you know, give you recommendations and give you like additional information on just things to keep in mind and, you know, things like that. Because uh, it's an awesome place, highly recommend it. Um, but, you know, there's definitely, you know, things that you got to know or, you know, keep in mind in order to, uh, you know, in order to make sure that you're, you know, just making making the best call for you know what it is that you're you know trying to do. Super Captain shocked. Irish says started on Fortnite and grew um, to eighteen thousand subscribers. Congratulations. Um, the mode I was doing died out and killed my channel. Um, I lost a thousand subscribers and I get no views anymore. Can I fix it or should I start a new channel? For, uh, it's frustrating. So when you the mode I was doing died. Oh, okay. So for example, like let's say you're doing like battle royale. And I'm I'm saying that one's not it because you know that's still there. But like let's say that you're doing that and then they're like, hey, we don't offer that anymore. So because of that, you had to like stop making that content. Um, if that's what happened, then in that particular case, you're going to have to build up again in terms of making content that is for the audience that you're trying to reach. That is going to, you know, like one thing you can do, you have 18,000 subscribers. The very first thing that I would do um, if I had your channel um, is I would start asking in your community feed, I would start asking them what it is that they play. Like, hey, what modes do you play? And and I would ask that, you know, a few different ways, a few different times in your community feed, and then they're going to give you the feedback. And then you can say, okay, like these are the ones that people are typically playing right now, so let me make some content on those and see how people respond to those. Um, that would be the approach that I would take. So then you're actually using the feedback from the people that are, that are interacting with the channel already. Um, and then you're going to, you know, start making content for them as long as it's in alignment with, you know, the content that you, you know that you want to make as well hope that uh hope that made sense um let's see here so next up on the list here we have doo -doo 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 -doo. 
but yeah, you'll be able to recover that. Um, you, what you have to do though, is you just have to make sure that you are, you know, um, that you are, you know, figuring it out through your, you know, audience using your community feed, you know, that, that you're, that you're using that information. And I would also hop on Google trends as well. And I would look for the different modes, um, in Google trends and I would compare them against each other. Um, and when you do that, that's going to also let you know, like what modes are more popular and what things that, you know, people are the most interested in right now. So you can hop on, so you can hop on those things. Um, so really quick, Brandon O'Brien says, how important are tags? So tags are like the least important thing um, when it comes to, you know, optimizing your videos. Um, the box is still there, so still use it. As soon as it becomes like 0% important, then YouTube will remove the box. But as of right now, that box is still there. So until like YouTube publicly states that that's like the least important thing about, about the information that you give YouTube about your video. Um, but it does still do something because one of the things that they mention is to, you know, put, uh, uh, to put like misspellings of your channel and stuff like that. And it's like, well, if you put misspellings and those will help, then why wouldn't it help, you know, with the other things that you put in there? So, you know, so just still use the box, just make it relevant to the video. So, you know, you wouldn't want to put a bunch of general tags in there. Um, instead just make it relevant to, you know, to the video, but just use it until they take the box away, but just know that it's not as important anymore. Um, the, the things that really matter on YouTube, um, the things that you really need to focus on, like um, when it comes to like, hey, you know, I have all these different options, what I need to make sure that I'm like dialing in, make sure that you're that you're focusing first on the video topics, then you're figuring out how to get people to click on those topics in terms of the thumbnails that you're making and the titles that you're putting together. And then of course the video content itself and then the methods that you use to try to get people to watch additional content. Focus on those things because those are all about the viewer experience, right? So the idea, is like the second your content shows up on somebody's homepage or mobile feed or suggested next to another video and they're like oh this is something i don't want to watch click then they have that great experience with your content and youtube detects it and then youtube will start you know showing your content to more people like those people that are really enjoying your content so because of that use tags because you know the box is still there but don't spend like hours on them right so two buddies a sponsor of the stream they actually have a, a tagging tool um to where you can just go in it'll just recommend tags based on your title and you can just go in and you can be like yep this is relevant this is relevant this is relevant this isn't relevant um this is relevant this isn't relevant and then just just get on with the video uh, but i would spend most of your time working on the video content itself but also the thumbnail and the title because you know that is going to be the only context that people have before they click on your content. Like, you know, when you have a homepage full of videos or you're sitting there going through your mobile feed, you know, like that's all you have in terms of like, hey, is this something that I might want to watch? So what I recommend that you do when, when you are dialing in that effort, um, you know, on your thumbnail and title is just start defining stuff, right? So, so when it comes to your thumbnail, instead of being like, you know, hey, it only needs to be bright, think, okay, what about this will help the people that I'm trying to reach understand that this video is something that they might be interested in right because it's all about them right like we make the stuff and then you know the viewers enjoy the stuff so because of that what you have to make sure that you're thinking about is like okay it with this particular thumbnail what about it if if this shows up on a home page against a bunch of other videos what about this thumbnail is something that will help people recognize that this video is something that they might be interested in and then from there they're going to drop down to the title. So you want to make sure that, you know, you write, you know, a really good compelling title. So what a lot of content creators do, and this is, you know, the approach that I recommend that you take as long as your content is appropriate for it is they will come up with their title and thumbnail first. So it's like, Hey, this is what I want to make the video about, right? This is the thing. And then from there they'll say, okay, well, if that's the topic, how would I actually present this? 
and the reason that they go through this exercise is first because they are verifying that their idea is something that they can present with only an image and a title, right, in an effective way. And then from there, okay, so, um, you know, how can I present this? And then once they know that, then when they're making the content itself, they know the shots to get, they know how to open the video based on, or how to start the video based on how they've, you know, uh, the thumbnail that they've decided to make and the title that they're gonna use. So that they can kind of reinforce all of that information. And it helps create just a much better viewer experience all the way through. Um, if you start, you know, defining your thumbnail and title first, um, before you actually make your video content. Um, let's see here. Sterling Trucking super Delivers. Chat. Thank you for the super chat. Says, um, I really appreciate your channel, Mr. Nick. I keep YouTube as purely a hobby, but your info and insights are so valuable. Uh, maybe one day I'll get monetized, but I'm keeping it organic and slow growth. Thank you. My pleasure. I'm glad that you're enjoying the content. You know, when it comes to YouTube, you know, doing it as a hobby is perfectly fine. Like I know in the language that I use, like I'll typically, you know, mention, you know, things about people, you know, wanting to go full time and, you know, stuff like that. But I know a lot of people also do YouTube as a hobby and that's totally cool. And it can also, you know, become um, a, a, a nice way to where it's like, hey, you know, I'm, I have like, you know, my life, but then I have, you know, YouTube that I do as a side thing. And then if I get into the partner program, then I can start getting an income, you know, from that as well, which can help, you know, maybe it's just like fun money, or maybe it's, you know, investment money, or maybe it's, you know, money for, you know, stuff that you want to build onto the house or you know anything else so it's just you know um you know some people you know are that are hobbyists with youtube um you know they'll just use it for you know those types of things so um so i'm glad that you're enjoying the content and i'm, and I'm glad that you're you know sharing your experience as a truck driver um you know uh with you know with people on youtube um as a hobby um 86 boxing says hello nick uh when will we see you in one of those youtube boxing events <laughs> Not gonna happen. I would get, I would just get beat down. As you, as you can tell, right? Like uh, if you've ever met me at a conference, right? Like I'm, I'm definitely not in, in, in fighting condition. <laughs> Trippin Outlink uh, says, still doing my best to grow. I just want to say uh, wise words um, from you and thank you for going live today. Um, also too, thank you. Um, thank you for the kind words and thank you for the uh, super chat there as well. Demon Dro says, I hit 200,000. Congratulations to you. Did this just happen? Um, I hit 200,000. It's been three years. I passed everybody in my niche, which is motor motorcycle clubs. How do I broaden out to grow more? I'm growing now more than ever, but I want faster results. What would you do? Um, in your particular case, like I would actually need to like look at your channel because you actually have like momentum, everything's going. So basically what you need to do in your case is start like dialing all of that in, right? Start dialing it in, start understanding the audience better, start making sure if you're not doing this already that you're using the grouping feature in your YouTube analytics and that you're actually, you know, intentionally going through the process of saying, okay, um, I'm gonna make a group about, you know, this type of content that we put out. I'm gonna make another group about this type of content. So for example, like if I go to your, uh, if I go to your channel right now, let me just look at the topics just on some, a few videos here. So one, this very first one that I saw see is like a warning video, right? So then like one of those things that you could test is like, okay, um, on my videos where I put like, you know, warning to where I'm warning people, that would be one group. And then all the videos where I'm warning people, I would put them into there. Um, another one you would do, uh, let's see here, the dark story of Myrtle, uh, uh, Myrtle Bike Week. 
So then in that case, you could also have, you know, other groups that you do and compare against each other. So if you're going to different like uh, motorcycle shows, then in that particular case, what you could do, like, let's say you're going to Myrtle Beach um, for this one. And then let's say you go to like Easy Rider. I think they're still doing that in like Chillicothe. Then in that case, you could say, okay, well, I'm going to um, uh, compare all of our Chillicothe or all of our Easy Rider videos against all of our uh, Myrtle Bike Week videos. And we're going to see which ones generate more subscribers, which ones generate more revenue, which ones generate more engagement, which ones um, generate just more view counts overall. And we're going to start, you know, really getting a really good understanding of the content that we need to make in all of these different scenarios in order to give, you know, the viewers what it is that they want. Because um, I see here with like your view counts and stuff, like you're doing great, you know, like on your view counts. Um, so I would definitely um, start using that if you're not doing that already, because that can, you know, that can really help you understand like the nuances of what it is that you're doing. Um, other things that you can do is like in your case, because you are, um, you know, you, you, you're getting a lot of data quickly um, with your channel. So you can also use the grouping feature to compare what it is that you're doing in your thumbnails. So for example, you have um, this one here where like a thousands of bikers just showed up at the Texas Capitol and left everybody stunned. Um, so like that one, you know, you have a bunch of people in the thumbnail. You got one um, down here with two people in the thumbnail. You've got some where you don't have any people in the thumbnail. So, you know, doing those types of things as well to help you better understand like, okay, typically when we use, you know, more than two people in the thumbnail, we use two people in the thumbnail, we have a higher click through rate on those um, on average than we do if we're just using one person or if we're not showing any people. Um, but really digging in um, to the analytics side of it to just better understand your audience. And then by doing that, it's going to help you know the exact content to make, how to present the content and all that in order to, you know, better reach and resonate with the people that you're trying to, you know, connect with. Um, other little details as well is um, you can also use that for the specific words that you're using in your title. So if you have certain, you know, words that you use and you know for um you know on the compelling side of things or just words you use to connect with your you know audience so for example maybe like bikers versus riders or bikers versus motorcycle riders or you know things like that in your titles you can even compare those and then over time you'll be able to start to paint a picture of you know like hey when we do these things people respond at a higher rate so we should do more of those <laughs> right so um so that's how to do it but hey congratulations though for first crossing 200,000 subscribers because that's not an easy feat so so high five and fist bump to you for that everybody's give that give them a clap on that one um and that you surpassed everybody in your niche um which is motorcycle clubs so um so that's another huge huge win right there so congratulations all the way around on all of that stuff um let's see here so next up on our list here we have oops let me go into here really quick not logged into that. If you're enjoying the show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend right now. All right. So um, let's see here. Next up on the list, we did Tara and Katrina already. So then next up, we've got Frizen, uh, uh, Frizen Effects. Um, they do educational content. The goal is to promote euphoric goosebumps or chills known as Frizen. The question is, as a medical professional, do you think I should have a disclaimer posted in my description and my videos if I'm giving advice? Yeah, 
I definitely would. Um, because, you know, if you're giving advice as a medical professional, then yeah, you should, you should have that listed. Um, another thing as well, um, if you, if you're a medical professional, then YouTube actually has a certification that you can go through, um, to where they can actually say, you know, like they can, it's not an endorsement per se, but it's, it's a certification to where it makes you like a legitimate, like medical channel. So if you would qualify for that, um, that might be something that you would want to look into also. Super um, a tale of a thousand miles. Thanks for the super chat. It says, how do I know um, if my channel name is too broad? Is that putting people off? Um, I get lots of views, but I'm only at 150 subs. So um, when it comes to channel names, it's really like, it can be helpful to have a channel name that represents what it is that you're doing. If you're active on YouTube or you're active in other communities by that same name, um, the reason for that is because like, okay, let's say for example, two comments above yours, we have video for bosses in the house, right? So with her, one of the things that you can see is like her channels like video for bosses. So because of that, it's like, okay, well, you know, for the people that identify themselves, you know, as bosses or the people that are bosses, then in that case, it's like, oh, you know, maybe, you know, this is gonna be a channel that could like help me, you know, in some way with video. So her name just kind of suggests, you know, what it is that she does. Where yours, you know, A Tale of a Thousand Miles, it sounds interesting, right? It sounds like maybe you're doing a lot of storytelling, you know, things like that, which may or may not be what it is that you do. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the, the, the vibe that your name gives. So it can be advantageous to have a name that says, you know, that, that, that suggests what it is that you do. Um, but it's also okay to have a name that doesn't. And when you have a name that doesn't, then in that particular case, like the content will do all the work for you. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those little tweaks that you can do to add it more clear only if you're active in communities around the things that you talk about, right? But if you're not, then it doesn't, then it doesn't really matter in that case. You know, just like in my case, right? If I'm like on YouTube and I'm, you know, interacting, you know, in the community, you'll see my name, but my name doesn't give any context to what it is that I do, right? So because of that, you know, I can't go and, and leave a comment somewhere and then and then have people in that comment section be like, oh, you know, they talk about YouTube, so let me go check them out because it's just a name to them, right? If they are not familiar with my channel already, then it's just some other random person, you know, commenting on a YouTube video. Um, but even if it's a YouTuber that sees it, if they haven't interacted with my content before, even them, you know, would be like, oh, and they would just gloss right over it compared to if it was like Nick Nimmin's YouTube tips, right? Then it would be like, oh, YouTube tips, let me click on this and see, you know, what's going on there. Um, let's see here. Next up on the list here, we've got uh, run number nine already. This is good. So next up, we've got triathlon with Coach John. Triathlon with Coach John um, does triathlon education. The goal of the channel is long-term income. And the question is, do you think cutting clips into shorts from older videos is a viable way to get more views on the long-form video? Yes, absolutely. Um, so on my old all our questions channel, the one that I haven't uploaded to in like six years. Um, on that particular channel, um, I did when that sampling thing um, just came out, I did a daily short sample uploading zero content to that, you know, zero additional content. It was just cutting out a clip and then publishing that clip with the direct link back to the video. Um, I got, I think it was 26,000 uh, views that I generated, um, you know, just on that, on a channel that's dead, like completely dead. Like I haven't uploaded to that channel in like six or seven years. Um, so, you know, on a channel that's dead like that, that I was still able to generate, you know, those types of views, um, it's definitely something that you can, you know, leverage to get in front of more people. Um, let's see here, a nomad overseas is our next question. 
Hey, what's up, Mike? Um, the, they upload every other day. The type of channel is travel related. The goal of the channel is to eventually get monetized and also drive additional traffic towards my website. The question is, do you believe it's worthwhile to um, output faceless videos? Do you feel there would be a penalty further down the line um, to also do live streams on the same channel? So there's tons of channels on YouTube that don't have their face attached to them. Um, and, you know, a lot of them do fantastic. A lot of them also don't. Um, you know, some people will do faceless content because it's just easier to do. Um, other people will do faceless content because they just don't want to be known. They want to maintain their privacy. Um, and then, you know, other people do faceless content, but they do it in a way to where they're like, you know, I'm actually, you know, wanting to do this thing. So because of that, I'm going to make sure that, you know, the type of faceless content that I do is something that, you know, that has a high potential for, you know, the channel doing well, so I can make ad revenue and all those types of things. So because of that, you know, it's going to come down to your approach there. Um, but one of the things in terms of doing live stream, is yeah, um, if you have a faceless channel, then you know, when you do start doing live streams, um, it might be a little bit like awkward for the viewers if you're going to be on camera. But if you're just like showing people stuff, like let's say, for example, you are using, you know, like your camera and you're just kind of showing people, um, let's say, what could I do here? Um, let, let's say that you are are making tea, right? And you're like, hey, you know, you got your overhead camera and you're like, you know, hey, we're, you know, putting this tea in this thing and we're, you know, doing that. And that's like what your videos are. In that case, you could still do that live to where it's like, hey, I'm going to go live. And then, you know, they would get to see the whole process, unedited, things like that. You could answer questions and you would still not need to show your face. So depending on what it is that you're doing with not showing yourself on camera, you can absolutely do that. Um, but just keep in mind when it comes to the connection side, of things, which is a big part of YouTube, um, you know, that you you can still get that without, you know, a face. Like, for example, if you go look at Kurzik stat, which is the example that I use for this one, like people are crazy about that channel. Um, just awesome stuff. You look, if you look at Lucas the spider, technically Lucas would be the face. But, you know, in terms of a human face, you know, there's not a human face for the channel. If you look at music, right, like Lo-Fi Girl, the community that's amassed around the music over there without, you know, showing a face, technically the face could be Lo-Fi girl herself right but in terms of you know the human behind the channel not being on camera um you know like you know huge following very deep connection people are connected to the comments there they're connected to the music there so you know when it comes to the connection side you can still do it but again it's going to come over or it's going to come down to you know the type of content that you are you know putting out um, let's see here. So, uh, Renee Ritchie says, uh, Windover, Polymatter, Cold Fusion, um, half is interesting, real engineering, real science, so many amazing faceless channels, especially in education. Um, they don't stream though. Yeah. So like when it comes to streaming, I think that's where, you know, things are going to get, you know, interesting, um, because, you know, there again, it just comes down to the type of, you know, content that you're, that you're putting out. Um, let's see here. So next up, we've got kids learning and growing. They upload every other day. Um, the type of channel is made for kids learning activities. The goal of the channel is to have fun and make some extra money on the side. The question is, things are going great. I've learned so much of my channels developed from kids learning while playing with crafts to learning while playing with kids toys. My new videos are getting thousands of views, but my original videos are still in the hundreds. Should I delete those original videos? Or are they keeping my channel from being promoted more? Um, so when it comes to your video content, um, videos are a standalone 
one thing. So like, let's say for example, you have a um, hundred videos on your channel that don't perform well, but you have 10 videos on your channel that do perform well. What's going to happen is those 10 videos are gonna continue, you know, as long as people keep responding well to them, they're gonna continue to do well, while those other videos, if people didn't respond well to them or not. But one thing that you can do is when you are, when you put your, um, uh, when you put your, your content out, one thing you can do is if you go back into some of that old content to where, you know, maybe the views aren't there, first go and try to figure out why. Because right now on your channel, because you have videos that are getting thousands of views, what you have now is you have like what success or what, you know, a video that gets thousands of views, at least what that looks like on your channel. So now what you can do is you can start comparing what, how people responded to that video and you use your YouTube analytics for this. You compare how people responded to that video to how people responded to the other videos on the channel. So what you can do there is you can say, okay, well, you know, my new content's getting a lot more impressions. Um, people are watching it for a lot more time. Uh, my click-through rates higher. People are sharing it more. People People are clicking on their end screens more, things like that. Whereas these older videos, maybe they just didn't get a lot of impressions on them, right? Maybe they didn't get a lot of impressions um, and you know, maybe the thumbnails weren't as good because you didn't know then what you know now, those types of things. So what you can do is you can go in and you can go into some of that old content once you identify that and you can say, okay, well, if the video content was good and the people that did come into the video, if they did enjoy the video, and you can tell this in your audience retention reports, if they did enjoy the video and by the likes on the video and by you know the, the amount of people completing the video, clicking on additional videos and so on, then what you can do is you can say, okay, well, people enjoyed this, but they didn't click on it a lot. So let me update the thumbnail and title and YouTube, you know, will will, you know, still, you know, give some impressions on that video and then maybe people respond to it differently. But then on some of your content, if you have videos that you know are good based on what it is that you're seeing in your analytics, then you can say, okay, um, at the end of this video, which is one of my new videos, I'm gonna recommend one of these old videos, or maybe I'm gonna recommend a playlist that has some of these older videos in it that you know people responded to well, but I just kind of re-optimized for the sake of applying my new knowledge to the old, you know, to the old packaging. Then in that particular case, you can start, you know, kind of feeding people into some of that older content as well, while also updating, you know, everything or refreshing everything. And by doing that, what can happen is you'll have, you know, the new activity from those new people that are you know interacting with that video and if they have a good experience with it then you can cause in that situation for youtube to start recommending it to people again based on the people that are coming in and enjoying that content so you can do those toward uh, those sorts of things but if, if, if it's if it's just bad though because you know you mentioned you're like things are going great i've learned so much which means that you're in a different place now than you were then right you're a different person now so because of that like if the old content is like Honestly, I just didn't know what I was doing. I just didn't know how to get people to click. My videos weren't that great. Um, you know, I had all these different problems and it like, no wonder they didn't do well. Like, you know, cause you're further along now, you can see things differently. So because of that, you can look back and you can say, well, these probably weren't that great anyway. So instead of even messing with them, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna move forward. And I'm just gonna, you know, just focus on publishing new content, driving people into the content that's already proven to perform on the channel so that that way I can ensure that the viewer experience that's being had is the best that it can possibly be. Right. And, uh, and then by doing that, then you're just focusing on the things that you can control now, instead of trying to fix things that may have underperformed for a reason. 
Um, XRS Built X says, hello, I have a gaming channel for over two years um, with over 150 high quality videos, but still haven't broke a thousand subscribers. Is the YouTube algorithm that hard to overcome? Um, the YouTube algorithm itself is actually pretty easy. Um, the problem, oh, hey, I, I, I see um, two more in here. I'm, I, I'll hit you guys right here in a second on how to automotive and Brian. Um, but basically when it comes to uh, YouTube and the algorithm, so the algorithm itself, um, it's really simple. So, I mean, it's not simple. It's extremely complicated and you have to be like a, you know, a, 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 a data scientist to like, you know, even start to paint a picture. But when it comes to like the, the basics of how, of how it works, it's, it's this simple. If you make content that people enjoy, the algorithm will favor that content. That's it. Right. So if you make content, I'm going to say it again. If you make content that human beings, the people that are actually using YouTube, the people that log into YouTube, just like you that are like, hey, I'm going to, you know, watch some videos today and they, you know, open up YouTube and they're going to sit there on their phone and they're going to watch it, you know, a handful of videos, you know, while, you know, before they could do something else for those people. If you can create content that causes people to click on it because it's about something that, you know, they would be interested in and then they enjoy that content and you can see how people are enjoying your content in your audience retention reports. If you're new, um, audience retention reports are a graph that YouTube gives us with every video that we publish that tells us how people respond to our videos on average. So you can see the lines of where people are leaving, where people are rewinding, where people are skipping, things like that. So what you can do is you can go in, you can analyze your own content to see like, okay, maybe people aren't clicking on it a lot, or maybe, um, you know, once they do click on it, they're not watching it for a long period of time. And that's why they're not doing well. So it, the system itself, it doesn't have a preference. It doesn't have an opinion. It doesn't like content. It doesn't dislike content. It just follows the viewers. So what that means is if people respond to it and people are like, Hey, this is good. This is good. This is good. Clicking on it. Hey, this is good. This is good. Then YouTube's going to show it to more people like the people that are enjoying it. Um, if people click on it and they don't enjoy the content and they leave quickly, then in that particular case, then what can happen is YouTube will detect like, Hey, people just aren't, aren't digging this. Or if they're just not clicking on it at all, then what's going to happen is YouTube is trying to keep people on the platform. So if people aren't clicking on your content, then what's going to happen is, and this is why learning how to write compelling titles, learning how to make, you know, good thumbnails is important. Um, but basically if people are not clicking on your videos, then what happens is the system says, okay, um, people aren't clicking on this when we show it to them my job as the, you know, system here is to keep people on the platform. How do I keep people on the platform? Well, by showing them things that they're likely to engage with. So if they're not engaging with yours, then what's going to happen is your impressions are going to quickly start falling off, meaning that they're going to, they're going to quickly stop showing your content to people because people aren't responding to it. And instead they're going to start testing some other content against those people in its place. And then while all of that is happening in real time for every viewer that's interacting on the platform, it's basically just prioritizing, you know, all the different videos that that particular viewer would be most likely to engage with and demoting, so to speak, or deprioritizing the content that that people just aren't that aren't that they're not responding to. So instead of thinking of it from like, you know, hey, I'm trying to beat the YouTube algorithm, instead of thinking through that lens, which which puts you in a contest or a competition against um, a computer, instead of instead of thinking of it from that perspective, think of it from the perspective of how can I come up with video ideas that the people that I'm trying to reach would enjoy the most? How can I package those up in terms of my thumbnail and title in a way to help people identify that it's content that they care about through the thumbnail 
and then they click on it through the compelling nature um, or the informational nature of my title and then give them a great experience in the content. If you focus all of your energy on how can I just make good videos for people and get them to click on them, if you focus everything it is that you're doing on that, that will get you way farther than if you're like, okay, how do I beat the YouTube algorithm, right? Because everything is based on how people are interacting with your content. So the, the, the sooner, like for anybody here that's a new content creator, the sooner you embrace that concept, the better and faster you're going to do better, right? The better you're gonna do and the faster you're going to do better. What's up people, this your boy Viper, the man about tech. Viper, man about tech in the house. What's up my dude, hope you're doing fantastic. Thanks for swinging by today. He's got his own audio plug <laughs> when he shows up. Oh, love it. But yeah, like for new content creators though, um, you know, like here, here's something you're gonna see. And, and for, you know, those of you that are new, um, this is something I just wanna bring to your attention. So as part of your journey as a new content creator, some of you are gonna be hopping on like Reddit and you're gonna be joining like all these like new YouTuber groups and stuff. And, you know, you can get some good information in some of those groups, but a lot of times it's people that are also just trying to figure this stuff out. And a lot of people are just taking random pieces of information that they find on the internet and they are recommending that information to each other. And it can create this big misunderstanding of like what to do and what's important and what to focus on and all of that. So when you are participating in those groups, regardless of the way that people frame the YouTube algorithm, always prioritize people, right? Just think like people, all I'm doing with my content is I'm trying to reach other human beings and I'm trying to add value of some kind to those human beings through the content that I'm producing. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to beat YouTube. I'm not trying to beat the YouTube algorithm. I'm not trying to trick, you know, YouTube into showing people my content because you can't. Everything is based on how the humans respond to it. So you have to make sure that you're leaning into that idea because that is what actually you know, that's actually how the system runs. <laughs> YouTube actually has a has some phrasing that they use. And they say, um, instead of worrying about what your uh, instead of worrying about what the algorithm likes, think about I'm going to mess this up a little bit. Instead of worrying about what the algorithm likes, think about what your audience likes instead. If you make that content and your audience responds, the algorithm will follow is the specific language. Now, some of that, you know, the exact words might be a little bit off, but that's the idea, right? So the algorithm follows the audience. So just make sure that you always remember that, especially if you're getting started, because you're gonna run across all kinds of information about like, hey, do this, and here's this one little trick, and you know, th this, that, and the other thing. I even have some of those videos, like, hey, this one, you know, this one, this one, you know, watch time trick is gonna help you, you know, get more views. It's not really a trick or a secret, it's just, you know, that's how I get people to click on it, so that I can spread awareness about like, just creating a viewer experience that makes it easy for people to find more of your content, right? So, so when you are, you know, looking around and information about how to do all this stuff, just keep in mind, everything comes down to just you being able to connect with the people that you're trying to reach and give them a good experience with your content. That's it. If you can do that, and you can do it well, then your channel is going to do well over time. How to Automotive says, I'm uploading a lot of shorts and I'm getting a lot of subscribers, but my return viewers are going down. Do you think the new short subscribers is hurting my channel? Um, if you are getting a lot of short subscriber subscribing to your YouTube channel, then of course that would be impacting the um, the returning uh, the returning viewers. So if you're getting like a lot of people, you know, subscribing on the YouTube shorts, but then they're not, you know, coming into the long form content, then it would be inflating the new viewers over here and it would make it seem like they're not, you know, responding to, I mean, technically they would 
wouldn't be responding. But if you have, you know, that that higher group of people that are coming in from shorts and that's where they're finding you. Since um, I think it was in the last live stream, um, Renee mentioned that even though they're building the bridges to connect YouTube shorts to long form, currently they've got like a lane open, right? So they're still working on the other lanes to make that full connection. So because of that, if you're having like inflated amounts of subscribers coming in from the shorts, then, you know, that could be hurting you in terms of it might seem, I mean, technically they wouldn't, but the inflated numbers over here are impacting the numbers that you're seeing there with the, uh, um, you know, the, the returning viewers versus the new viewers. So yeah, absolutely. But I, in terms of it hurting your channel, no. Um, but in terms of, you know, if you're bringing a lot of people in from shorts, um, but they're not, you know, coming back in that particular case, I wouldn't worry about that right now. Um, if you are seeing that with just the video content itself, then in that case, I would try to start thinking in like series and stuff like that in terms of like, okay, over the next like 90 days, the content that I'm gonna be putting out, um, I'm going to, um, um, as I'm putting this out, this first video that I'm gonna do, the people that watch that video, like why would they watch the next video that I put out and then the next video that I put out and then the next video that I put out and so on. So start thinking that way or start thinking, what could I put out on my channel on a regular basis to where it would cause spikes in returning viewers, right? So let's say that you have you like the regular content that you put out and over the course of the month, let's say you do, and I'm just putting these numbers out here for the sake of you know just the, the, the idea, but let's say, for example, you put out a video per week and you notice that typically people only watch like a video per month. Then in that particular case, then what you can do is you can say, okay, well, let me see if I can come up with something on my channel that would just, you know, pull in, you know, some of those returning viewers, something that that is maybe even outside of what it is that I'm currently doing. Like, for example, on me, it took me a really long time to come up with this on my channel. But like my news segment that brings in a lot of, you know, returning people because it's like, a hey, this is a place that I can just stop in real quick. Even if I have a channel that, you know, that I don't need Nick's information anymore, I can still get value out of the news, right? So by, you know, deploying that, and it took me a long time to come up with that, but um, by, you know, deploying that, it's helped in terms of my, you know, returning viewers as well for that content specifically. But when it comes to my regular, like YouTube tips content, I still have a pretty heavy burn rate um, on that content in terms of people coming in, they'll subscribe to it, whatever. And then they just, you know, they'll end up, you know, not watching, you know, a lot of, you know, additional content there. Um, let's see here. So next up, we got how um, how we got here. Genealogy says, looking forward to your new Tuesday live stream series, Tea Time with Nick. <laughs> yeah, right. That, that's the, uh, yeah, starting Tuesday, Tuesday Tea Time, right? <laughs> oh, love it. All right. So uh, let's see here. So next up, we've got, uh, as we are going through this here, kids learning and growing. I think I did this one. Yeah, we did. Okay. So next up, we've got... Traveling with Brian. Traveling with Brian does travel and food content. The goal of the channel is to have fun, make money, and travel. The question is, when it comes to crowdfunding, um, what are the advantages and disadvantages of choosing Buy Me a Coffee versus PayPal, which is better for a beginner YouTuber? Thanks, you rock. Um, thank you for the kind words. Um, so when it comes to Buy Me a Coffee versus PayPal, first, if you are going to link to your PayPal, make sure that you, that you do it as a .me link. Then that way it keeps the email address attached to your PayPal account private. So then that way, you know, you would have that. Um, but the difference is with Buy Me a Coffee, 
um, there, they can, you know, donate to you as well, but you can also actually give them things in return. Um, also with buy me a coffee, people have the option if they choose to, to have recurring payments. So then in, in that case, what they can do is they can actually pay every single month, which is pretty cool. So some people will do that as a means to support the channel to where every month they'll give you five bucks or 10 bucks, or depending on, you know, the, the viewer and your channel and all that stuff, sometimes it can be higher. But the idea with buy me a coffee is it has some of those features built in where with PayPal, it's just like a straight donation. And then like, that's it. Unless you set up like, you know, like, uh, like subscription buttons and things like that, which you can do inside of PayPal. Uh, but with that, you know, maybe you would need like a, you know, web page or something like that. So, you know, it just comes down to just ease of use, being able to have like the recurring membership stuff, you know, done in a more easy way if you don't have memberships attached already. Um, but you mentioned that you're a new channel, so, you know, you don't. But like when it comes to, you know, the difference between the two, um, those would be the ones that uh, uh, that I would lean on. Um, let's see here. Love, Grow, Live Free is the uh, name of this next channel. The Type of channel is grow your mind, grow your food, transform your life. Oh, that's cool. The goal of the channel is helping people transform their um, lives like I have. And the question is, um, my Happy New Year's video didn't have tags. It was 47, 47 seconds laying, bleh, 40 seconds long saying Happy New Year's, I love you. 23 will be our best year yet. The YouTube algorithm picked it up and now pervs are being referred to my channel by uh, disreputable channels that have nothing to do with health and wellness. Nothing in my video was um, sexual. How could I fix this? I already removed the video. If you already removed the video, then you should be good. Um, in terms of people coming into that particular video, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not really sure what's going on there um, in terms of, you know, if people like if it's just a happy new year and nothing like crazy was going on in there, but then you have people that are being referred to your channel by other channels. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there. Yeah, it seems like a complicated, you know, issue. But one thing that I would do is just as a heads up. Okay, so this is for everybody here. When you have things that people say to you in your comment section and some, you know, some channels are more prone to having, you know, these types of people coming out, come out of the woodwork. First, there's always trolls, you know, on the internet. It's just how it works. Um, that's, you know, that's why we have like moderators and stuff here to kind of keep that stuff under control because it even happens during these streams. But there is something that we all have access to on our channels called a blocked words list. Um, this is in your YouTube settings. And you know, I should make a YouTube short on this, um, just so you guys know where to find this quickly. Um, but basically, when it comes to the blocked words list, what you can do since you have, you know, pervs that are coming into your channel, is take all of the little things that they say, um, you know, try to focus on specific words or specific phrases that they repeat or a combination of both, and then go into your YouTube settings, go into, I think it's under community, and then under community, if you scroll down that box that pops up, you're gonna see um, blocked words list. So what you wanna do is you wanna take those words or phrases that they're commonly saying in there and things that you think they might say. So if people are, you know, making comments about your hair or your face or your body or the way you say things or anything, anything that you're like, hey, I don't like when people say those types of things, then you can add those to your blocked words list. And then when they come in and they leave those comments, what's going to happen is YouTube is going to remove them from public view the second they post them. They're gonna be reviewed from or removed from public view. The person that left that comment, they're still gonna see it. 
But what's gonna happen is that's going to end up in your held for review section. And since it's in your held for review section, then you don't ever have to look at it. And you don't ever have to see those comments. If you want to, and you wanna like bum yourself out, then you can go into that held for review section. You can read through all the you know comments that people are saying. But if you're like, hey, you know, I'm just gonna put these words in here and just let YouTube do it, then what's going to happen is you're gonna massively cut down on your spam. You're gonna massively cut down on people, you know, um, offending you or attacking you or, you know, bullying you in some cases in your comment section, and you're just gonna clean up everything. So, um, so some stuff is still gonna slip through. Sometimes people come up with creative ways if they figure out that, you know, that's happening because trolls are trolls. What they can do is they'll figure out like, you know, different ways to do it. Maybe somebody will put spaces between it or they'll use like a one instead of an I, things like that. Um, so people, you know, do like troll extra hard in some cases, but that blocked words list can massively cut down on those problems for you and help you, you know, keep your comment section clean. For me, with my types of content, um, one of the things that I have a problem with is I have, you know, content creators that think they're clever and they'll go in and they'll be like, oh, hey, you know, great video, so on and so forth. Um, on my channel, I'm trying to hit this subscriber number by like this date. And it'll be like in this case, because we're in February, they would be like, oh, I'm trying to hit 500 subscribers by the end of February. And, you know, they'll leave that comment. So it's like, okay, well, I'm gonna take subscribers. I'm gonna put that in there. I'm gonna take subscribe. I'm gonna put that in there. I'm gonna take subscribe to my subscribe to my channel. I'm gonna take check out my channel. I'm gonna take those types of things that you know that that people typically fill up my comment section with. I'm gonna put those on my blocked words list in addition to like a whole bunch of other stuff. And um, and then by doing that, it just cleans up a lot of that stuff. Sometimes it'll still get through um, all that just based on you know how they you know structure things. But um, but but that that. 20 minutes that it's gonna take you to set up your blocked words list can create a much better environment for your viewers and for yourself on your YouTube channel. So highly recommend uh, that you do that. I'm actually going to uh, make a note here really quick to make that, uh, to make that list. Show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend. Short right about blocked words. Okay. Let me put this as a title so I'll see it. Boom. Okay, done. All right. Um, so let's see here. So next up on our list, uh, we have Love, Grow, Live Free. Wait, we just did this one, I think. Yeah, okay, that was my fault. Okay, next up, we're on number 14 already. This is good. We're kind of cruising through these. Um, let's see here. Old Trish says, Nick, I need that list. Okay, so, so here's all you have to do. Um, so I can't show you my list because there's some pretty explicit stuff in there. But, um, but if anybody's sitting in front of a computer and they wanna find that blocked words list, um, all you have to do is go into your YouTube studio. I'm just gonna take everybody through it right now because I see that some people are like, oh, I didn't know that that was there. Um, so this is gonna help you know, some people um, that are in the chat right now. So I'm gonna walk you through this. So all you have to do is go and click on your channel name if you're on a computer. If you're not on a computer, you can do the same thing on your phone using the Google Chrome browser, but make sure in the bottom right-hand corner, you click on that, um, that you click on the three-dot menu and you choose uh, request desktop site, and then go to studio.mo uh, or studio.youtube.com, I think. Yeah, go to studio.youtube.com. What's going to happen is it's going to um, pop up a little thing recommending that you do the, that you open the Creator Studio app. Um, don't do that, right? Just go right into um, the site as a, as a, you know, in the desktop mode, and then you'll be able to do the same thing. But basically, once you're in there, then you want to, um, once you're in your Creator Studio where you see like a quick view of your stats and you know, all that stuff, then in that case, what you wanna do is you wanna go down on the very bottom left-hand side of the screen. You're gonna see a little gear icon. Um, once you click on that gear icon here, I'll, uh, 
I'll actually show you this here so you guys can kind of see what's going on. Let's see here. Okay. Present. And share screen. And we'll go over here. Okay. So what you want to do is once you are, you know, in here, and I have some of my information back here covered up, but basically the little icon is going to be right down here um, in the bottom left-hand side. You want to click on that, and this box is going to pop up. Then um, from here, if you go into community, once you are in um, community, okay, he's already in there. Okay, good. Once you're in community, if you scroll down, and I'm just going to be really careful here as I go down into this because I don't want it to actually show up. Okay, so we have that. Who can redirect? There we go. Okay, so basically you're going to see this little area right here. It's called blocked words. So all you have to do is in that box, you put the words and you can see right here on the screen, it says all existing and future comments, all existing. That means any comments on your channel that say this stuff. So you can use this as a way to clean everything up um, that's already there too. All existing and future comments containing or closely matching these words will be held for review. Live chat messages containing or closely matching these words will be blocked. So you put that information there. And then once you do that, you have the option to save. And then once you do that, um, that's going to help you clean up your comment section in a massive way. So other things that I recommend that you put there is I recommend that you put things like uh, WhatsApp. Um, because that's a problem on YouTube. Um, I would also recommend, even though, you know, depending on, um, depending on uh, <laughs> Shark Scrapper. Shark Scrapper is like, yeah, glad I didn't see my logo on Nick's blocked channels list. <laughs> but basically, uh, once that, uh, once you have that in there, then what you can do um, is relax because then, you know, most of the stuff is going to be handled. You know, you're going to have some fine tuning to do. And, you know, all you have to do is when you notice like, oh, this one got through, then just take some of those words, put them in your blocked words list. And the next time somebody says that it should also go in there as well. But by doing that, it's going to help make your comment section a lot more clean. Um, and it's going to be great for your mental health as well. So, you know, when it comes to, you know, comments, we all know, because we're all content creators here, we know how, you know, toxic they can be sometimes. We know how like rude people can be and just downright mean people can be so when you have to see that stuff in your comment section when you're in there answering comments or you're in there leaving hearts on comments or whatever they still stand out like people can say and, and and this is a weird thing but like people can say you can read through 50 comments where people are like hey great video hey this is this that and the other thing oh that was super cool you did there hey this is great you know hey nice shirt whatever but then you have that one comment you're like oh yeah yeah oh hey oh they like my shirt that's cool okay yeah great okay nice nice and then you that one comment that is like hey, the left side of your beard is too long. You're like, oh, really? And then you're like, get up, you go to the bathroom. You're like, whoa, was it? You're like in there watching the video. Like, no, it doesn't seem like it was too long. You know what I mean? Like some of those things sometimes can just stand out. <laughs> so because of that, when you go through that process of you know filling out your blocked words list, it can just do wonders for you for just maintaining the focus on the positivity in your community and also um, just not you know distracting you with that stuff. And you know it'll reduce hitting those comments as you're going through and answering your comments, that'll just completely bum you out um, as well. So our next question, hey, Roger, what's up, man? Welcome to the uh, stream. Hope you're doing fantastic. So um, the next channel is 86 uh, uh, Street Chef Project. 
They have a help channel. The goal is to help as many cooks and chefs as possible. And the question is, my girlfriend wants to start a channel dedicated solely to live streaming with guests. I've been doing this for a while, but have zero experience live streaming. Any advice for setting up a new channel for live streams from scratch on an iPads and iPhones? Is it even possible? It is possible. Um, YouTube actually has a um, go live together feature now. So once she hits the requirements for that, she might be able to do it right out of the gate. Um, but then she can actually, you know, just do streams directly on her phone um, and have guests on that way. Or if you're going on a tablet, technically you can do this in StreamYard as well. If you're enjoying the show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend right now. Technically, you can do this in StreamYard as well, um, StreamYard.com. But basically, um, once you have the channel set up, then all you need to do is make sure that she's making, you know, titles that make sense. She's talking about topics that make sense. When she has guests on, she might be tempted to optimize everything around the guests, like my interview with fill in the blank. Um, tell her to always optimize around the topics that she's talking about, unless she has somebody super famous on, like in your case, because you're doing like chefs. So like if you had like a famous chef that like everybody knows, um, then in that case, it makes sense. <clears throat> Excuse me. But if it's if it if you're having somebody on, that's just like a restaurant owner or, or she's not doing restaurant stuff. But if she has somebody on that's not like super famous, then in that case, you know, just optimize around the topic because the topic can be of interest to people regardless of who's talking about it. Whereas if you optimize around the person, then people have to know who that person is in order to be interested at all, right? So the qualifiers are extremely different. This one goes into a much more broad audience because it's about the topic. This one isolates it to just the people that know that person, right? So because of that, um, I would definitely make sure that you um, are sharing that information with her. But when it comes to actually going through the process of streaming and all that, you can absolutely do it on phones, tablets. Um, you can do it natively on the devices um, with the go live together feature, um, or you can use something like StreamYard, which is what I use for my live streams. And then by doing that, all she has to do is grab a link and send it to people and they can come in directly that way. If she does the go live together feature, then what they have to do is they actually have to have a YouTube channel. It doesn't have to have like videos on or anything. They just have to have like a YouTube account and then um, she can send the link that way and they can come in there as well. Another thing, just as a reminder, um, is that we are responsible for the activity that happens on our live streams. So because of that, just make sure that she also knows that like, hey, if you have a guest on, make sure that they know not to have a TV on in the background, not to be playing any copyright protected music in the background, even if it's soft, um, to make sure that they're not showing anything, to make sure that the doors are closed so that like if they have another person in the house, they can't like walk in, you know, like, exposing themselves or anything crazy like that. Just make sure that the guests know what's going on so that, you know, she doesn't have any problem there. Um, but just have them, you know, kind of brief them before they come onto the show. Um, care of design. Hey, what's going on, man? Says, um, I'm struggling with consistency. There are weeks where I can't make a single video and weeks where I'm making three to four. Any tips on how to approach this? Um, routine. You got to work it into your routine. So um, if you are like, hey, I want to make videos and I want to, you know, make sure that I'm publishing content on a regular basis, then in that case, you have to work it into your lifestyle. Um, so a great way to do this is to build days around different things that you're doing. So I know that you you do UX design. So since you do UX design and that's, you know, what you do for a living, when it comes to YouTube, that's kind of the second priority. So because of that, figure out all the time that you need for your UX design, figure out the time that you need for, you know, everything else. Um, and then find those pockets of time to where you can say, okay, just like when you, when you show up every day to work and you're like, hey, you know, I'm sitting in front of the computer, I'm doing this, you know, UX design from like this time to this time. 
the same exact thing would apply to making content. So then what you would do in that case is you would say, okay, um, some weeks I do three to four, other weeks I don't do any, um, or I just can't, I just don't have the energy, whatever. Then in that case say, okay, well, on the weeks that I do three or four, I'm just gonna stockpile them and I'm gonna publish you know, at a cadence that I can maintain with that routine if that's what I'm you know, gonna do. Or I'm going to schedule time throughout the week to make sure that I have each individual part of the, you know, of, of the you know, content creation process done. Um, and then by doing that, just like when you show up at your computer every day to do your UX design or UI design, just like you show up for that, because it's all scheduled, right? It's part of your routine. The same exact thing um, will happen when it comes to making content as well. Um, let's see here. Next up on our list, we've got our right, number 15 already on these questions. This is good. Cruising. So um, waiting for the page to load. One second. Un momento, por favor. Let's see, got that, got that. Okay, good. Checking the stars. Okay, so um, um, Anaholics says, um, can you be too old for making it on YouTube? I'm 52 now. Um, I mean, technically there might be a threshold at some point, but I'm, I'm, I know that there are YouTube channels where there are people that are, you know, like, like a hundred years old that, you know, make YouTube videos and they have a community of people that just absolutely adore them. Um, they also have, um, you know, people of all different ages making YouTube videos. I have friends, um, that are over 50 that make YouTube videos on a regular basis. Um, some of them thrive and do awesome. Some of them didn't even start until their fifties and they're doing great. Um, so when it comes to, you know, being older, um, you know, YouTube is one of those amazing places on the internet to where people of all ages and all demographics are interacting with YouTube. So because of that, depending on exactly what it is that you are offering on your YouTube channel, you're going to connect with people that are, you know, interested in the types of things that you're doing. But keep in mind when it comes to YouTube, it's really important to make sure that you are thinking of, okay, what is it that I am going to like offer to these viewers, right? Like, what is it that I'm going to, what type of content am I gonna make that's going to add value to them? Um, because, you know, the typical thing and this can work as well. Um, you know, sometimes people will come on and they'll be like, hey, I'm just gonna like sit there and just like tell my story because I've done some crazy things in my life. And in some cases that's fine and that'll work and they'll do awesome. Um, but in other cases, those will just fall flat based on the storytelling, based on, you know, the experience people are having, based on the, you know, the personality of the creator, you know, all these things are a factor. So just make sure that you are um, just being very, um, aware of the very specific value that you're offering to the people that you are making content for, and also make sure that you are thinking of it from the perspective of, I'm building a channel, which will be a resource for a certain type of content. So the way that we kind of phrase this is that you're kind of niching down with the content that you're putting on the channel. Um, but all that means is I'm just making like a certain type of content for a certain type of viewer. So I'm building this resource, this archive of a resource for people that are interested in this type of content. So that if they come in and they watch one video that they can easily be recommended other content that they would also like from YouTube, or they can click on your channel name and they can go to your YouTube channel and they can go, oh, wow, I've been looking for videos like these. And then they can go to your videos page or they can scroll down your channel page and then they can just start watching the videos that interested them because you've designed the entire thing for a specific type of viewer. So just make sure that you're, that you're considering that with your, um, with your approach. And sorry, it took me so long to, uh, to get to that. Sometimes like as they come in, like I'll, I'll, uh, I'll miss some of them. So, uh, 
So because of that, I, I apologize for taking a while on that one. Um, let's see here. Yeah, 22 minutes um, on that one. Sorry, so my apologies there. So let's see here. So next up um, on our list, and we're going through the questions here that are in the um, that are in the form. Um, just as a heads up, so if you are just joining us, I have a form that is down in the description. That's where the questions are being put, and I'm answering them in the order that they come in. Um, let's see here. So answered that one already, so we're good there. Yeah, we've already we've got people in the in the chat right now saying uh, that they're 50 plus. Um, we've got Ronnie's Ramble saying 69 here, starting a new channel. So there's, you know, almost 70. Um, Paul Peck drywall tubes, drywall tubes over 50. We've got uh, Going Crazy in the Kitchen, um, 50 plus. We've got Old Trish, 67. Um, so yeah, like uh, in terms of that, absolutely. Um, DIY Audio Guys, 48, started at 45. I'm better now than I would have been when I was 20. I was an idiot when I was 20. Hey, high five to that. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. So, uh, so yeah, when the, uh, you know, like there's, there's, advantages to being a content creator when you're older, right? Because the approach, maybe you'll be more serious, maybe have more time to commit to it, you know, depending on, you know, your lifestyle and all that. So yeah, all kinds of, you know, there's advantages in the, across the entire spectrum in terms of uh, age ranges. So Lori's 88 Angels is our next uh, question here. And they have a spiritual guidance and physiology channel. Um, the goal of the channel is money. And the question is slow going, views are not consistent. So that's gonna come down to your ability to create content that people respond to positively, at least competitively for the platform because you're competing against you know all the videos that YouTube thinks that the people that you're trying to reach would be interested in and learning how to get those people to click. And you say that it's slow going, but I do wanna remind you, like when it comes to YouTube, it's just like anything else, right? So like anything that you've done that you've had to learn and go through like a learning process to you know do the thing, if it's been you know a, a new school year with new subjects, if it's been a new job, if it's been a new hobby, that you started, it all requires a learning curve. Even if you've moved to a new town, right? That comes with a learning curve because you gotta figure out all the different places to go. You gotta figure out the best places to buy stuff. You gotta figure out the different ways around town that gets you around traffic. You know, everything comes with a learning curve. YouTube is exactly the same. So if things are going slow, it's okay. Just embrace the learning process and just try to improve something um, all of the time. So constantly be trying to improve something. If it's, hey, this week I'm working on my thumbnails, this week I'm working on my titles, this week I'm, I'm just gonna learn how to use just like a really small part of my YouTube analytics, anything like that, just try to continue improving and, and working at it. And, um, and, and that's how you get there. Um, next up on the list, crazy cool facts 53 also. So, um, they just started crazy cool facts and they're having a great time. They had over 20,000 views in their first week, primarily shorts and they use VidIQ. So yeah, so another example there of, uh, you know, being 50, you know, over 50 and, um, and 20,000 views in their first week. Um, so in terms of, you know, possibilities there. So next up, um, if you are lagging, I see Wild Production saying that it's lagging a lot. So if um, if you are seeing a lag, what you should do is just double check. So in the, in the YouTube player, down in the um, bottom left of the player, you're gonna see, if you hover over the screen, if you're on a mobile device, you'll just see it showing there where it just says live. 
tap on that. Um, but once you see this, tap on that. And when you do, um, that's going to bring you up to the actual live experience, you know, the, to the things that are happening in real time. Um, by default, there's a delay in here. Sometimes it's like five seconds, other times it's eight. But um, but there's, you know, a little bit of a delay from when I'm speaking to when you're actually getting it. Um, but uh, in terms of the lag, uh, make sure that you are looking at the live experience and that you're not, you know, farther back in the player. Stormspun Mystic is our next um, question here. They do daily content. The type of channel is a community that creates fantasy into reality. We focus on 3D printing, chainmail, and cosplay. That's cool. Um, the goal of the channel is we are a husband and wife team. Um, we want to build our community to share what makes our nerdy hearts shine. Um, and the question is, I found your channel about two weeks ago and have been binge listening at work. I work third shifts and can listen to my headphones while working. Nice. Um, I was sparked to just do it on February 9th. I went home after work and I created a banner, YouTube and Patreon. I posted our first video six days ago. Welcome to YouTube and congratulations for taking that first step. The reason I'm saying that is because there are tons of people all over the world that want to have YouTube channels, but there is a mountain of things that are stopping them. Some people, it's because they have, you know, these personal things about themselves. So we're like, yeah, I just can't put myself on camera and I can't think of another type of content to make. Some people just creatively, they just, they're just like, I just don't know what to make videos about. Um, other people are just worried about what other people are going to think, stuff like that. So like you've broken through all of that and you're like, you know what, I'm doing it. And, and, and you did it, right? You've, you've published your first video and you've started the process. So high five and fist bump to you for, for, for taking the initiative and doing it. But anyway, I went home after work and I created those things. Um, let's see here. I am going in open-minded, trying to make it organic and authentic. I'm attempting all the tools that are available as I figure them out. Um, just as I learned in writing, I cannot edit a blank page. Posting content helps me learn and grow. You're light years ahead, a ton, uh, you're light years ahead of a ton of people. Um, that, that concept right there in terms of posting content helps me learn and grow. That concept is something that a lot of content creators have a really hard time, like, you know, getting a hold of. So like just the fact that you're like, Hey, posting content helps me grow and it helps me learn. So I'm posting videos so I can get information. Like, yeah, you're, you're off to a great start. Um, so far I've posted many shorts. Um, this may sound easy, but I was in the mindset of keeping our personalities as though we're in a room with a viewer. Um, it's helped me think through our content for longer videos, but my question is about live videos. As a brand new channel with a few followers, what advice can you give about attempting a live video without viewers? We have six children, so we're good at talking to ourselves, so to speak. I'm trying to figure out the mindset and options to make a successful live video, even if no one shows up to watch. I would love the replay of a live video to not be depressing. Thank you um, for all you inspire. It was the spark that we needed to get rolling, Marcia. Okay, so when it comes to having um, live streams or actually just like jumping into live streaming, um, the very first thing that I recommend is that um, when it comes to live streaming, a lot of people by default, because they see other people doing this, they think that live streams have to be, you know, three hours long or an hour long or 30 minutes long, but there's really no definition of, you know, you need to live stream for this amount of time, right? So because of that, you want to first make sure that you are thinking about like what it is that you're going to offer and that you're thinking about how you can, especially like when you already know that you are likely to not have a lot of viewers coming in, um, you have to make sure you're thinking about not the live experience, but the replay experience. So when you are thinking of live streaming, a lot of people will think like, okay, I'm going to go live and, you know, maybe people are going to come in and I'm going to, you know, be sitting here, you know, sharing information or doing the thing that I do with my content and I'm going to, you know, have to react to all of that in real time. And then, you know, I'll be thanking everybody for, you know, participating and I'm going to leave. So when you are anticipating nobody showing up, 
instead of thinking through that lens, think of it through the lens of, okay, we're making a piece of content, but we're doing it live. Okay. So instead of like starting it and just kind of hanging out and just kind of seeing what happens instead hit the button to go live and start with the content, right? So have your structure, have whatever it is you're going to talk about, have whatever it is you're going to share, hit the button, go live. And when you go live, don't think of it like, okay, I'm hanging out with a bunch of people. Think of it like there's going to be somebody that's going to click on this and they're going to watch this as a video. So because of that, when this video first starts, what can I say to them that will be of interest to them that will make them want to continue watching? Okay. So what you would think about is you'd be like, okay, so for the type of content that I'm making, um, what I'm going to do is when the video first starts, I'm going to say like, you know, Hey, today we're talking about X, Y, Z and then start talking about X, Y, Z, right? Today, I'm going to show you this today. I'm taking you on a trip. Um, you know, Hey, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, today I'm going to take you on a trip, you know, around our place. I'm going to introduce you to the family, so on and so forth. Um, and have everybody kind of, you know, hanging out ready for this, but, you know, go through that process of, you know, grabbing their attention at the beginning and just consider that replay experience, because that's where most of the activity is most likely going to come from. If you don't have like anybody interacting a lot with your content yet. So, um, when you, go live and you have that mindset of I'm making a piece of content live instead of like, Hey, I'm doing like a live stream. Then what that does is that kind of shifts how you approach everything. So then you become a lot more engaged yourself because you're like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to get through what it is that we're sharing because I want this to be kind of tight so that when somebody sees it on their you know mobile feed, when they see the timestamp, they're not gonna be like, oh, this is like an hour long. I don't even know these people. I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna watch this to where it's like, hey, you know, we got through all this in like, you know, 10 minutes or 15 minutes. So we just made a piece of content live. So I would experiment with that approach. And you wanna follow that all the way through when it comes to the video structure. So for example, like you wanna make sure that you're hooking them or grabbing their attention at the beginning of the video. If possible, add some stakes to it, depending on, you know, what it is that you're making there with your live streams. Um, and then share the actual content that you're gonna share. And then at the end, think about, okay, if, if people watch this on the replay, if they make it to the end of this, what video do I have on my channel based on the things that we're gonna be talking about here, if you have any long form content yet, what do I have on my channel that would be a, a good handoff? Meaning, once they get to the, once you get to the end of your live stream, instead of saying like, you know, hey, thank you everybody so much for hanging out and blah, blah, blah. Instead, you would say, Hey, you probably clicked on this because, you know, you were interested in, you know, um, you know, learning about our family or you're interested in doing this that or the other thing. Um, so because of that, I recommend that you click into this playlist right here where we, where we have a lot more videos that, you know, is going to, you know, like really, you know, get you familiar with what it is that we're doing, you know, in our family and so on. You can go ahead and click into that now. Thanks for watching. End. And then what you do is once that stream is finished processing, hey, Heidi, once the stream is finished uh, processing, then you go in, you add an end screen to that with a link to that playlist or video um, that, you are rep that you're recommending them to go watch. And then what you did there is you made a piece of content that is still a great experience for the viewers that are coming in on the replay. And you did it live so that you've, you know, kind of broken through that. And you're like, hey, now I've got some live streams under my belt, making some content live. So that makes that content easier to make, um, even though it's a little bit loose, maybe a little bit messy. It's still, you know, it's still teaching me, you know, the things that I need to learn as part of this process. So hopefully that helps.
Um, next up on our list here, um, we have Car Questions Answered is the uh, next channel. They do a uh, car market is the type of channel. The goal of the channel is informing people about how the car market works and a dealer perspective. And the question is, can you discuss how to use when your viewers are on YouTube analytics to decide what time to post videos? Because most videos are market related. It's more important for us to have higher views earlier. So what you wanna do in your case is, um, is you want to publish as people are coming online. So, like if you publish when people are not online, um, when you know everything's dark, then in that particular case, like you're publishing when the likelihood of YouTube being able to recommend it to people right now just isn't there, right? So because of that, like they'll still recommend it to you know some you know other people, but the idea is you want to make sure that you are publishing when people are you know coming online, and then when you publish as people are coming online, you know for your audience, then what that does is that gives you the ability to have YouTube show your content to the people that are on the platform, right, at that lower amount when it's first getting started. And then as they, you know, are continuing to come online over the next like hour or two, then it allows the system to be like, hey, people are enjoying this, people are not enjoying this, you know, whatever, so that the system can be like, hey, you know, as these other people are coming online, let's start recommending it to them. And then you'll be able to kind of ride that wave through that day. Um, but keep in mind when it comes to long-term performance, the initial performance, um, it doesn't matter as much anymore. I mean, it kind of does, you have like view velocity and stuff like that to where the idea is that you know if you get a high performing video quickly then you know then it then it has a higher potential to like take off but in reality, when it comes to like long-term, um, you know, performance on your videos, um, YouTube, you know, once they get the data that it needs, then it's gonna show it to the right people, you know, like regardless, even if it takes them 90 days to do it, right? So um, so because of that, um, just focus on publishing when your viewers are online based on that graph um, and just ride that wave, right? Um, and then of course you can do other things as well. Like if you have um, like your community feed, um, then in that particular case, what you can do is you can say, okay, we're gonna publish this today because this is like market, like, you know, like this is like time sensitive content. So because of that, you wanna make sure that you nail it on the, uh, you know, on the time that you're publishing. And then from there, um, as long as you have, just like if you have a couple of days to burn um, there in terms of your time limit, then you can also um, make a community post about it, share the video in there. And then depending on where your channel's at, um, you've been on YouTube for less than six months, so I'm not sure how many subscribers you have or anything like that. But once you get YouTube stories, you can also make um, a YouTube story as well. And I think you get one video share per week, if I remember correctly. Um, but what you can do is you can use your YouTube story to also, you know, recommend a video as well. And you can put a clickable video there and also drive people into that as well. So you want to make sure you prioritize, um, you know, with how you're using that, you know, once you get that those features. But at the very base, you can publish your content, you can, um, you can publish the long form video, you can share it in your community post the next day. And while you're sharing it in the community post, if you wanted to, you can even sample out a short that would also lead directly back into that video as well, because it's time sensitive, um, according to this. So because of that, the idea is to just like long form community post short that leads back to that long form video as well. And that gives you, you know, essentially three different ways that you'll be able to, you know, get your content in front of people. So that would be the approach um, that I would that I would take there. Um, just because it's time sensitive. Um, next up on the list, we've got Rachel Smets. Hey, Rachel, hope you're doing. Uh, hope you're doing awesome. 
Um, Rachel says that she does educational content. The goal of the channel is much more views and connection with my viewers. Um, the question is narrow down topics. Um, how can I make topics that are attracting viewers about making money from home without having one specific method? My channels are specific about affiliate. Um, hold on, many channels are specific about affiliate or Amazon or investments or e-commerce, but I'm none of that. I'm worried that I'm not growing because of lack of narrowing down into one specific topic. So if your channel is about making money, then you'll attract people that are interested in different ways to make money if you're talking about different ways to make money. So there's tons of channels that do awesome that are, you know, that, that do exactly what it is that you're doing in terms of sharing, you know, different ways to make money. Um, there's even like, you know, channels where like digital nomads, which is similar to, you know, some of the stuff that you're doing as well, um, that also thrive as well, talking about, you know, similar things. So um, in terms of making money from home, in that particular case, all you're doing if you're enjoying the show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend right now. That cold coffee doesn't hit as hard. But anyway, all you're doing is you are targeting people that are interested in making money from home. So because of that, those people are looking for like, how do I make money from home? It doesn't matter if it's Amazon or if it's, you know, um, affiliate marketing or whatever. They're just looking for ways to make money from home. So I don't think that it is, you know, that, you, that you're being too broad because it, you are clear that you are targeting people that are trying to make money from home. So because of that, um, I know that one thing that you do, um, I think if I remember correctly, is that you do have some like nomadic type content. Maybe it's you that are the no, that that's traveling around. I'm, I can't remember exactly, um, but I think you have some, you know, nomadic type stuff with your content as well. So if that's the case, then you are kind of separating things a bit because then in that case, you know, you have the people that are interested in like the digital nomad lifestyle, which is a literally the complete opposite of the like stay at home and work at home lifestyle. <laughs> so because of that, um, I would just make sure that you, um, I would just make sure that you are clear on like which, you know, which one of those crowds that you're going after. But if you're going after like, hey, I'm, I'm you know, teaching people how to work from home, then I would optimize everything it is that you're doing around connecting with people that are trying to figure out how to work from home. So in that particular case, in the past, I thought you were trying to target people that are like digital nomads. But if you're trying to target people that are working from home, then in that case, I wouldn't be trying to sell like the lifestyle, right? I wouldn't be trying to sell like, hey, here's me like hanging out on the beach. I'd be trying to sell like, hey, this is how you make money, right? Instead of like, you know, hey, here's me living this awesome life. And you know, this is my representation of what it is that I'm talking about. Like if you're just trying to help people learn how to make money from home, then in that case, I would I would do a little bit less of the flexing type stuff. And it's not flexing, it's, it's representing what it is you're doing and I understand that but I'm saying like I would do a little bit less of that and I would just go a little bit harder on the like you know hey you know I'm, I'm just trying to you know help you make money from home so you know I know that based on you know different lifestyles and you know different preferences and things like that a lot of people just want to work from home so my channel helps you do it right so I would just I would just focus on that and I would get really clear on you know connecting with those people Super chat. Costume CEO says, um, hey, Nick, this is um, so you can order a hot cup of coffee. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Doug says mug. Yeah, we'll go ahead and, we'll go ahead and drop that um, so I can kind of stand up and kind of stretch out a little bit. Here we go. This is my new Be Right Back screen. So typically live streamers will have like a little screen that pops up, says like, you know, Be Right Back. But here on Nimmin Live, we prefer music videos.
to get me a Joe. I'll be getting my fix in my kitchen, but look at the logo, the plug for the show. Whoa. It don't matter the flavor, I'm gonna get haters. A cup or a pot of the gold, I just need you to hold for a little bit longer. This song ain't a joke, it's a banger, you know where you don't. You will hang or you won't, but this thing isn't stopping till it's at the top. And I go back upstairs, man, I hope I don't drop it, I know that it's hot. It might seem one's enough, but apparently not. Take a cinnamon shot, mix it up on the spot. Give it a try, you might like it a lot. Fiending for caffeine, I need it in my mug. I need to hit the coffee maker, get another cup. Fiending for caffeine, I need it in my mug. I need to hit the coffee maker, get another cup. Fiending for caffeine, I need it in my mug. Put your cups up here, put your tumblers up here. Now drink it, drink it, cheers. Put your cups up here, put your mugs up here. Put your tumblers up here. Now drink it, drink it, drink it. All right. So, uh, so there we go. Make sure my mic is not muted. There we go. All right. So, uh, so inspired by Heidi, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, for that being on Spotify and all of that, um, it's not yet, but, um, I'm probably going to put it up there. Um, right now I just have it pinned at the top of the, uh, at the top of the chat right now for anybody that wants to listen to it. But, um, but I was actually talking to D, uh, just the other day about putting it on like Spotify and, um, and all those, uh, places as well. Just got to figure out where I'm going to put it and, and all of that. So the next question that we have, um, for those of you that enjoyed that, glad that you uh, glad that you enjoyed it. So uh, let's hear. So next up, we've got Muscle in the Mountains. Muscle in the Mountains um, does classic car videos. Um, the goal of the channel is to grow my channel, and make money. Um, the question is: Thanks so much. You've helped me a ton um, from your content. I'm a car photographer, but new to YouTube. I have over 2,000 subscribers, but only 3,500 watch hours. Gotten over half my subscribers from Shorts. How do I get those subscribers to engage with my longer videos to increase watch time? Um, so basically YouTube has already, you know, kind of built some of those bridges, right? Um, uh, one of the things that were mentioned was that, you know, they have a lane open, <laughs> but you know, the whole bridge isn't, you know, fully open yet, but they, you know, the system is, is smart in terms of, you know, making the connections between people enjoying the short form content and then them watching the long form content as well. Um, however, keep in mind when it comes to YouTube shorts, like for somebody to watch that content, they just have to swipe up. But a lot of content creators that are really good at making shorts, some of them, they'll be like, hey, I'm, I'm doing awesome in shorts, but like nobody's watching my long form videos. Well, if you go and you look at the long form videos, one of the things that you are, um, or one of the things that you um, might find is that YouTube is showing your videos, but people just might not be clicking on them. Um, or once they do click on them, maybe the experience that they're having with the long form content isn't as good as the, as the experience that they're having with the short form content. So what I recommend that you do is I recommend that you do look in your analytics um, for the impressions and that will show you that YouTube is showing your content to people. Um, you can also go into the traffic sources report. And if you go into the advanced analytics mode of this, then you'll be able to see 
YouTube is giving me this many impressions on browse features. You technically, you can even look at like home pages specifically in subscription feed. Um, you can look at YouTube is giving you X amount of impressions for suggested videos or giving you X amount of impressions in YouTube search. And then you can look and see like, hey, what is my click-through rate on all these different you know places of YouTube? And also what kind of percentage view am I getting from these different places? And you can start using that to just get an idea of how people are responding to the content that you're publishing. Combine that with your audience retention reports, which is like a quality indicator in terms of how people are, you know, enjoying your content. And when you combine that information, then it starts to paint a really good picture of like, okay, these are some things that I might need to improve on in order for these longer form videos to do better. But if you're not getting anybody like clicking on them, um, then in that particular case, then I would, I would work on that part of the process. So again, when it comes to YouTube shorts, one of the wins there, especially you're making like classic car videos. So like in that particular case, it's like, you know, somebody swipes up if they're into cars, it's like, oh, hey, let me watch this car video really quick. Or if you even have an appreciation for classic cars, they swipe up and it's like, oh, wow, this is, wow, that looks, wow, look at that Impala, that's pretty cool. And it'll just grab their attention. They'll sit there and like watch it for a while um, to where the long form content's different because they're making a conscious choice to click on it, go in and actually watch it. So, you know, because of that, I would definitely go in, look at your analytics, see, you know, what's happening in terms of, you know, YouTube giving you impressions and so on. Um, and then, you know, make the adjustments that you need to make. Or in some cases, it could just be that like, hey, I got to learn how to make better thumbnails or I got to learn, you know, how to make these photos that I'm taking of cars like really pop. So they'll make like a really awesome attention grabbing thumbnail that'll really stand out. So if somebody's on a, a mobile feed and they're sitting there scrolling through, you know, YouTube on their phone, that thumbnail is going to be like, bam, look at this, you know, awesome part of this car or whatever. Um, so, so, uh, you know, I would definitely use your analytics to look for those like fail points and then start working on, you know, fixing those fail points through learning how to, you know, write better titles, learning how to make better thumbnails. Hey, thanks, Doug. Appreciate it. Um, next up on our list, we've got uh, Sign with Courtney. Um, Sign with Courtney says that uh, they do daily content. They've been on YouTube for over a year. Um, they teach American Sign Language content, or they do American Sign Language content. The goal of the channel is to teach ASL to students, um, deaf who have never learned, parents, friends, and anyone who wants to learn but hasn't gotten it yet. Um, the question is, should I keep all content on one channel or create multiple channels? If I make basic lessons, it helps newbies, but the advanced are bored and skipped it. And then, um, don't get pushed my content. If I post advanced, the newbies feel ASL is impossible and move on. I also would like to expand to have ASL for special needs, which will only apply to a few. I only have 14,000 subscribers right now though. Um, so one thing that I would do is I would actually go through a period of time and I would just focus on like one of those audiences and see if it makes a difference before you go through the process of like starting a whole new channel. Um, because if you have two channels, you're gonna have to come up with content for both anyway. So before you go and start a new channel, just take the one channel that you have and say, okay, I'm gonna focus on, you know, maybe it's new people or maybe it's the advanced people. Um, but keep in mind, there's always more new people than there are advanced people. So in terms of, you know, growth potential, just keep that in mind. But when it comes to, um, you know, dividing it up into two channels first, I would take the concept and I would apply it to your channel and see if it, you know, improves things. And if it does, and you're like, hey, I still want to do the advanced, or if you do advanced and you still want to do the new stuff, then in that case, have that other channel um, and, you know, start that new channel for that different content. But if you are already like doing well, you already have an audience, but you've noticed that your more advanced content doesn't really, you know, perform as well as the new stuff or vice versa, 
then in that case, focusing on the one that typically performs best is the approach that you want to take and just double down on that for the next like 90 days and see what happens to the channel. Um, and if you notice like, hey, this is definitely making a difference. People are, you know, starting to respond to this stuff better. Um, also, as part of this process, on your channel, um, make sure that you are prioritizing that content as well. So like if somebody goes to your YouTube channel page, if you focus, let's say for example, on like new um, ASL um, people, then in that case, if somebody goes to your channel page that's interested in that type of content, make sure everything on your channel page, the main channel page is for that person that's, that's new. And then by doing that, you're gonna make it easy for them to find more of that content. Make sure that your end screens are also on all of the content for um, on every video you have on your channel that is for a new person. Go and double check and make sure that what you have linked in the end screen that sends them to additional videos, make sure that all of those are also pointing them towards um, you know other content that's for new people as well. Or if it's the advanced people, make sure it's pointing you know, towards them. Also, when you're looking at your channel, um, you want to make sure that you go into your analytics as well when you are making this decision on, you know, which one to prioritize for this experiment. Um, you also want to make sure that you are looking at the videos that are driving the traffic now to your channel. So if you go into your analytics, um, um, the very first thing you're going to see if you scroll to the bottom of the page, you're going to see a top list of videos that are driving all the traffic over the last 28 days. So you're going to be able to decipher right there, like which videos are bringing in the most traffic. And the reason you want to make sure you're looking at that is because recency and viewer history is an important thing for YouTube, which means that when people are interacting with your content recently and they're enjoying your content, they're more likely to get recommended your additional content as well. So because of that, um, you want to make sure that you are looking and you're like, hey, you know, out of these top, you know, 30 videos, um, 10 of them or, you know, 15 or 20 of them are all targeted towards like advanced people. Like that's what's driving the channel right now. So because of that, let me, you know, focus on, uh, you know, that, that the, the more advanced stuff, you know, over the next 90 days um, or, you know, the other way around, depending on how it works out when you look at that information. Um, let's see here. So sign with Courtney says it's brilliant. I'm just pointing them back. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what you want to make sure that you're, that you do Courtney is like when you are, um, what, like when you're, when you're putting all this together, I call it a watch time trap, but the idea is like when you're putting all of this together and you are adding links and like your pinned comments, which is something that you should also do leading them into additional content of yours that, you know, makes sense for the viewer that's watching that video, um, making sure that you're using description links and that you're also utilizing playlists. So like, Hey, if you're just getting started with ASL, make sure, you know, you have to watch Watch this playlist like this by the time you're done with this playlist you're going to you know have like a good handle on like the basics and then you have that and you're just constantly driving people into that as an example but you want to make sure that you have you know playlist links you have pinned comments um you want to make sure that your channel page is structured properly to help the people that are coming into the channel that you know that are looking for more content be able to find it more easily um you want to make sure that all your end screens are linking to you know content that is relevant to the viewer based on you know what it is that they're learning in that particular video so like in your case, since you do have your content kind of divided, I wouldn't lean on like, uh, you know, most recent video um, as the thing you put at the end, I'd be very specific about the videos that you're putting there. And I would link um, a video and either a best for viewer, which I would actually even be a little bit cautious with that right now, how they're trying to use that to drive people into the, into shorts. But, um, but I would do like a video and a playlist or a video and a best for viewer if you don't have a lot of shorts on your channel. Um, let's see here. Okay, so we've got that one. So next up, 
So um, Sir Hathafa, uh, I apologize Sir if I'm Hath. saying that incorrectly, um, says, hey, Nick, how are you? I'm doing awesome. Thank you. Um, says, question, uh, can I take a break? Actually, I feel a little bit bad if I'm honest. So I was supposed to live stream with my brother um, tonight um, over in the other place, but I forgot um, just because I've been kind of like laying around the house today. Um, so um, because of that, I just kind of, you know, forgot. Um, and he sent me a message like right, you know, like right as I was getting ready to start the stream because um, he thought I was going to show up over there. And, uh, and I, and I, I kind of feel a little bit bad about it a lot bad about it. Actually, if he went there and is actually like hanging out there um, or was hanging out there waiting, then, then I feel like extra bad about it. But uh, um, besides that though, everything's awesome. But um, let's see here. So um, can I take a break from my niche and upload something else um, without changing my channel? Um, I upload Call of Duty videos, but I'm burnt out and I would like to upload Let's Play. So if you wanna try uploading Let's Play, like give it a shot. People might you know enjoy that. But um, if people do come to your YouTube channel for Call of Duty, then in that particular case, if you are going to play a different game, I would use your community feed and I would just spend you know a few community posts um, asking them, like pick the next three games um, that you would like to play. Um, and then I would say like, like, hey, um, uh, I'm going to be doing like a let's play um, or a few let's plays. Which one of these uh, would you you know like to play or would you, which one of these would you watch? And then by doing that a few times in your community feed with, you know, a handful of different games, that's going to help you know that like, hey, um, these are the games that I want to play. And then these are the games that the audience wants to watch. So then that can kind of help you, you know, make the decision on, you know, on, on which way to, you know, which way to move there with that. But, um, but it's totally fine if you want to do that. And if it's all within Call of Duty and you're like, hey, I have a Call of Duty channel, but I typically do like Call of Duty videos where I'm helping people solve problems in Call of Duty. But now I want to do some Let's Plays, do it. Because what you can do there is you have your regular content that, you know, is bringing people in about Call of Duty, but you are already proving through them consuming that content that they're interested in Call of Duty. So because of that, when you live stream Let's Play of Call of Duty, some of those people are going to come hang out in your stream because they want to see your skills. They want to see how good you are. They want to, you know, pick up your personality while you're playing the game and stuff like that. Um, so because of that, if it's all Call of Duty and you're just wanting to change format for a while, then do it. Yeah, give it a shot. Um, um, because that other content that's on your channel, you know, that, you know, people still be, you know, consuming that content and all of that, but just keep in mind, I, I would kind of make sure that you're paying attention to everything that's going on with the channel. When you do start doing that, if you're going to start like, Hey, I'm not publishing videos anymore. I'm going to start live streaming more. This is something I'm experimenting with right now too. Um, I'm going to start live streaming more than I'm publishing video content. Then if that's the path that you're wanting to, you know, go down, then in that particular case, just pay really close attention to your data. So you can notice like, hey, when I'm doing this, maybe I'm not getting as many new viewers, but I'm having a lot more returning viewers, you know, little things like that. Um, so that you can kind of just kind of keep a keep a eye on like any changes that are happening with the channel. Donny Nunn, thank you for the super chat. I appreciate it. it says, um, hello, I drive Uber in New York City in the tri-state area. Um, a passenger suggests I use dash cam videos to put them on YouTube. Since I drive um, a lot of scenic routes, I would use my own music over videos. Is it a good idea? Um, you know, some people will watch those types of videos. There are channels that, you know, do that to where it's just, you know, somebody driving around town. So um, when it comes to, you know, taking people on like scenic, scenic you know, routes and things like that, um, you know, people do watch that type of content. One thing, since you're not gonna be talking, you're just gonna be playing music, 
it's really going to be like a mix of like a music channel with those visuals. So because of that, um, I would make sure that you are just paying really close attention to any of the content that you publish that does better. And I would look at the type of music that you're using. So like, for example, um, you said that you're going to be using your own music over the videos. So I don't know if you just make music in one genre, but if you make music in different types of genres and you notice like, Hey, this one really took off. Like, Hey, I use lo-fi over here and it, and it just did great. Then in that case, pay attention. And then if you notice something like that with, you know, the different types of music, then in that case, start experimenting with using, you know, the same song maybe, or using, um, you know, that type of song to see, you know, if you can get similar responses. But yeah, in terms of, is it a good idea? Um, if you look around YouTube, there's already channels doing um, that. There's there's channels where people have the camera on them. There's channels where the people have it on front. Um, um, if you just look for like dash cam videos, a lot of them will be like accident related and stuff like that, or just people, you know, ending up in crazy situations. But some of it will be, you know, just people driving around and that kind of stuff. They do the same thing on motorcycles where they'll have helmet cams and they'll just drive around. They'll talk to people while they're driving. Sometimes it's just music playing. So there's all kinds of stuff like that on YouTube. It's like normal here. Um, so just, you know, give it a shot and see how it goes. But keep in mind, when it comes to YouTube, a lot of people, when they, you know, start YouTube channels, they'll be like, oh, hey, this is going to blow up right out of the gate. In some cases it does, um, but in most cases it doesn't. And there's just like a process that you have to go through. It's just like anything else, just like learning how to drive. <laughs> so because of that, um, just kind of embrace the process and say, you know what, I'm going to just upload videos for the next like year. And I'm going to upload, you know, X amount of videos per week. Um, um, and then I'm going to use that information while I'm uploading to learn more about the things that I do that people respond to. So for example, pay attention to like when I'm driving through the city, this keeps people watching. When I'm driving in these pretty countrysides, this keeps people watching. When I'm driving through these other scenarios, people don't seem to watch those as much. And you just pay attention to the scenery plus the, the speed that you're driving, you know, things like that. And also pay attention to the, um, to the music that you're using as well so that you can use that to, you know, to craft the content and the experience that you are sharing. Cause you're probably not going to share every journey that you take. Um, but over time, you'll start to share specific journeys based on the things that you find people, you know, respond to the most. Um, sign with Courtney, super thank you for chat. the super chat. I appreciate it. Says, um, thank you so much for answering my question. You have a lot of great content that I've been getting value from. Awesome, thank you. I'm glad that you are enjoying the content. My pleasure on answering the, um, answering the question and I'm glad that you are enjoying the content. This stuff's tough, you know, especially if you've never done anything like this before in terms of, you know, like YouTube and making content for people. So, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to help and kind of demystify, you know, some of this stuff uh, for people. So I'm super glad that you're finding value in the content. Um, Poop Scoop for Noobs says that they have a poop scoop in business. The goal is to become the resource for other scoopers and inspire others to start their business. The question is, what are some tips and strategies I can implement on my website to drive traffic to my resources page and maximize clicks and conversions to my affiliate links to Amazon products or software that I use to run my business? So if you're using these on your website, I'm gonna skip this question because we're focused on like YouTube stuff. But in terms of getting people to your website, all you gotta do is just let them know that your website is available. You can even link to, once you're in the partner program, you can put a direct link to your website, like right on the video itself. Um, they have that option for your end screen, so you can do that. Uh, but also just let people know that you have the uh, link down in your video description. So for example, in your case, hey, if you wanna see all the stuff that I use, blah, 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 one, you can have the direct Amazon links in your description, so then they can just skip going to your website altogether. Um, but if you want to send them to your website, then in that case, hey, you know, I got this resource page. If you're interested in doing this, I've got this resource page, um, um, you know, in my description. Um, so you know, make sure you, uh, you know, make sure you go and check that out. 
next. Oh, also make sure if you are trying to get people to your website from your YouTube channel, make sure that you also put a link to your website in your channel banner. You do this through your About Me page. On a mobile, it's gonna show up on your About Me page, but on a desktop computer, it'll show up on your channel banner when people hit your channel page. Um, the reason you wanna do that is because you know that's one, a way people can get there. But two, when you are filling out the words for that, make sure you make it a call to action instead of like my website, make it like, you know, uh, you know, uh, get my, you know, checklist or, um, you know, check out my resources or learn how to scoop or, um, you know, visit my website or, you know, something like that. So just put like a clear call to action there. Um, next up, we've got check out angels angie's wigs is the name of the next channel they have a beauty channel the goal of the channel is to monetize the question is how can i get my banner to fit i made it on canva so when it comes to youtube banners um um i i actually oddly i get this question like quite a bit like i get like dms about this so when it comes to your channel banner there's templates all over the place on on the internet in terms of you know things that you can do to build the channel banner. Canva has them as well. However, um, when it comes to like Canva and other places like Tube Spanner also has the option to, you know, make channel banners and stuff. But when you are um, um, building it, just focus everything into the center, right? Focus everything into the center in terms of the information and then just make sure the whole screen is filled up um, with something. So um, you can hop on to Google right now. And if you look for images, for a uh the the what's the language for this so if you look for the images for um like youtube channel banner template and then you do an image search then what's going to happen is you're going to find a bunch of images to where it'll show like lines on them so go find one of those make sure it's the full size it's like 2000 and something pixels um for one of the sides download that drop it into canva lower the transparency on it, put it all the way in the back layer, and then build within the safe area there. Um, and then you'll be able to, you know, export it, make sure you delete that before you export it. Um, and then you'll be able to have everything that you need um, within, you know, the, the the safe areas to where on a mobile, it's going to look good on computers, it's going to look good and so on. Gaming with Sarah, super thank you for chat. the uh, super chat there. I appreciate it. Um, uh, let's see here. Girl in her passport says, um, look for a layover that, um, uh, a, a layout or layover. Yeah. That gives the, um, the lines and then overlay it in Canva. Yep. You know what? I think somewhere I, either me or my brother, um, have this that you can get, um, hold on D Nimmin, um, channel banner templates. Like I'm, I'm just going to look, um, yeah. So if you type in D Nimmin channel banner template, the very first image that pops up, I believe, um, is from him hold on yep yeah it takes you to his channel and then i think down here in the video description i'm just going to drop a link for you right here okay yeah so if you go to this video right here um down in his video description you want to look for a banner template free and then there's a banner template backup so one of them um either one will drive you into an image that you'll be able to download and overlay directly into um, directly into Canva or any other software that you use for it. So it looks like the image or the YouTube one is actually small, just as a heads up D. When I click on that one, it comes up really small. So you'd need to stretch that one out. But um, but the one that you can get on image you are um, that one is uh, that one's better. Oh, it's not letting it go large. Oh, because I'm not signed in. That's why. 
Either way, even if you get a small one like this, um, what you can do in here, I'm just gonna share the screen real quick just so you can kind of see what I'm looking at here. Um, so this is what you want, and technically you could even screenshot it, but um, what you want for this, this image right here is what you're looking for. So if you go to D Nimmin, if you look on Google for D Nimmin cha uh, channel banner, that, or channel banner template, I think is what I looked for, then um, then this image is what you're gonna see. So if you click on that, then you'll be able to download, you know, what it is that you need. Even if it's small, just stretch it out, right? Cause you're just using it for the guides, right? So just stretch it out. And then even if it's blurry, doesn't matter, build everything on top of it, and then just delete that before you um, before you export your channel banner. Getting into like technical stuff here. Shared the screen a couple times today, this is good. Okay, so um, let's see. So next up on our list here, we've got number 23, cruising right along. Love it. So we have, I'm not sure how to say this name. So just as a heads up, when you do names like this, it's something vibes. Um, when you do these, um, it makes it really hard for people to recommend your content. So just keep that in mind when it comes to your channel name. Um, but it's a tarot card channel. Um, the goal of the channel is they want to reach and help those heal um, in need of massages or messages and guidance from spirit. Um, the question is, hey, Nick, my question is, um, I have a new channel and I'm trying to grow and learn as I go. I have one video that gets pushed out um, to be seen from the algorithm, but not the rest. And I'm trying to reach my goal of getting uh, monetized. Any advice? So um, I went through this before in terms of how you know the system works. So it's not that your video is getting pushed out by YouTube's algorithm. What's happening is that people are responding better to that video than the other videos. And because people are responding to it better and more competitively, then what's happening is YouTube is showing it to more people like the people that are enjoying it, right? So the videos that are not getting uh, you know, that attention, I would compare the one that is or the ones that are against the ones that are not in your YouTube analytics. And when you do this, this is going to help you be able to see like, oh, okay, this is this is why these are going better than these. Um, because you'll be able to you know, compare like your click-through rate, you'll be able to compare all your engagement, you'll be able to compare um, the retention of your videos, you'll be able to compare um, the different traffic sources in terms of like, hey, this one's getting a lot of attention from YouTube search, this one's getting none, this one's getting a lot of attention from home pages. this one's getting you know a little bit, those types of things to where it'll really just help paint a picture about you know why one video um, performs over another. Um, let's see here. So next up, we've got uh, the Landlord Advocates. They do education content, the goal of the channel is to help those in the real estate industry. And the question is, hey, Nick, what's going on? Hope you're doing awesome. Says, um, we just uploaded a YouTube short um, and we could not create a clickable thumbnail for it. Could you help us with a solution? YouTube stated in the content page that we could not create a thumbnail at this time. As always, thanks. Yeah, so when it comes to YouTube shorts, as of right now, um, they're not allowing us to, um, to add the thumbnails to them. So what you can currently do is if you're on an Android device, then you can pick a screenshot out of something that's already happening in the video, um, but you can't upload like a custom thumbnail like you can long form content at this moment in time. You used to be able to, then they took it away. Hopefully they'll bring it back, um, but we'll see, uh, we'll see how it goes. A girl on her passport 
says they do travel content. I know that already. The goal of the channel is to assist people with travel and inspire them to travel. The question is, during the pandemic, um, I niched down to just Greece travel, but now trying to expand. I know that this will take some time, but I also don't want to alienate my current subscribers and viewers. Still trying to make some Greece content. Some watching everything, but a lot do not. Any ideas? Absolutely. So when it comes to um, the general content that we were talking about before, then what's going to happen is you're going to have some people that are watching, you know, a lot of that. Some people will watch that temporarily and then they won't watch anymore until they travel next time and so on. Other people that are interacting with your channel are going to watch the Greece content. However, the people that are traveling to Greece, um, those people can also get value out of that, you know, general content that, you know, gives them general travel tips. Um, so when it comes to that, um, I would look at it through the perspective, kind of look like I do um, with my content in terms of like, hey, some of this content is like news content that's going to attract a certain audience. Some of this content is like YouTube help content, which is also going to attract a different audience. Um, but there's crossover, right? So then some of that content, like your Greece content, you're gonna be the people that are, you're gonna have some of the people that are like really into that content, but they won't really pay much attention to the general content. And then it'll be vice versa as well, to where some people will just find that general content. They'll be like, hey, these are some great tips. I'm gonna watch those, but I'm never going to Greece. So I don't care about that. Ideally, finding stuff to make that would, you know, serve both. Um, so that you could just run it down the middle and they would watch everything on the channel would be the ultimate win. But based on the content type, that's more challenging, especially when you're trying to solve seasonal problems in terms of um, just for everybody that doesn't know, um, like, you know, like when tourism's down over there, then, you know, kind of creates this lull that happens on the channel. Um, so, or just a lower amount of activity. So because of that, the thing that I recommended was that um, uh, through, you know, just brainstorming on, you know, different, you know, approaches is that, you know, making some general travel content then can help even when Greece is down, people are still traveling to other places. So then in that particular case, that allows her to be able to, you know, have a certain sustainability um, with the channel over time with the general content as well. So then what you're doing is you're having two different pillars there. One of them is the general content for the people that are just traveling wherever. And then the other one is for the people that are just really into um, Greece. And then you'll be able to have some crossover, you know, back and forth. Um, let's see here. So next up on the list, we've got Her Heel Review. Super Thanks for the super chat. chat. It says, Nick, thank you for everything. Um, could you discuss um, or record a video on absolute best free editing software um, trying to cut costs? So when it comes to free editing software, um, there is DaVinci Resolve. Keep in mind when it comes to DaVinci Resolve, um, it can be taxing on your computer. Um, so that is typically the go-to for free resources, but it's pretty robust. Like it can do a lot of, you know, really like it, it's good software, but it's just a little bit um, labor intensive on the, on the, you know, on the computer. Hey, Tiffany, no sweat. A and, and we can talk about that more like, you know, in live streams and stuff. Like if you, um, uh, um, you know, in the member streams, you know, we can talk about that, you know, a little bit more. If you want to isolate um, one of the streams, because one of the things that I'm doing, I actually based on yours and Amy's recommendation um, is I think I have it scheduled for, I think it's either this coming week or the following week. I'm going to put the form in there um, asking for very specific things so that we can hop on, you know, the streams and start tackling like individual problems as well. Um, so when I post that in there, definitely make sure that we do that. Um, uh, make sure that you, you know, put that information in there and then we'll, we'll spend a whole stream on it with everybody brainstorming on, you know, like different, um, different things there. Christina Smallhorn, what's going on? Hope you're doing fantastic. Says no holidays to report. Hey, you actually missed some, you know, I missed, uh, I missed Valentine's day. Um, I didn't even know, you know, I was like, what, what do you mean? Valentine's day was yesterday. Right. So like, uh, I, I I'm actually like a little bit kind of like, like, I don't know. I don't know if I can depend on her for these, uh, for these holiday reports. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I remembered Valentine's day. Of course, I'm not a monster, not a monster. 
But uh, yeah, that's cool. Hey, thanks for swinging by. I hope you're doing awesome, Christina. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's hear. So yeah, um, really quick, let me get back to the free stuff. Um, so um, DaVinci Resolve um, is a free editing software. Um, if, you, if you wanna do stuff on like a tablet or phone, um, um, CapCut is solid, it's free. Um, they might have some like paid versions of it, I think, or maybe some paid options, but I'm pretty sure like a majority of CapCut is free. Um, I know that they, in some cases they might put like a watermark at the end of it, but you can just go in there and just edit that out. Like if you're on an iPhone, for example, you can just go in and just trim the video um, once it's saved as a video, and then that removes, you know, that, so that's not a big deal. Um, in terms of other things that you can do for free, so in DaVinci Resolve, you can edit your video for free. Um, there's software called Audacity. Um, that is audio processing software that is free um, that you can use to process your audio, kind of normalize the signal, maybe add some EQ, you know, those types of things. Um, those will also, um, both of those really give you all you need. So you could use DaVinci Resolve to edit and then use um, um, Audacity to process your audio if you, you know, if you process your audio. National Margarita Day is Wednesday. That's a holiday I can get behind. That is a holiday I can get behind. We actually have, um, we actually have, uh, there's a Mexican restaurant here that is, you know, like my favorite Mexican restaurant of all time. And uh, uh, yeah, that, that might be like a, a Wednesday, uh, a Wednesday thing. Maybe I'll see if uh, I can make up, I was supposed to stream a D today, Roger, and, um, and I forgot. And uh, I think he went over and was like preparing everything and all of that. And uh, so I might have to take him to, 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 to lunch or something at Salsa Kitchen to uh, on, on, for Margarita Day to, uh, to, to make up for it. And I'm not sure what that emoji means. What does that emoji mean? I'm not sure what that is. It's like a face going into a puddle. Is that what it is? Yeah, I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> so uh, let's see here. So next up, we've got uh, I'm Worth It. Um, Liberty is, um, is her name. And um, she does entertainment for entertainers, um, mindset, movies, and music. The goal of the channel is to help entertainers learn how to make money and do technical stuff, very similar to what uh, we do over here. And the question is, um, Nick, I've been here, kind of embarrassing for years. I was running from um, domestic violence and trying to find myself after college. So I started um, and I didn't know how to make it uh, private, but God showed me um, when people Googled me that I needed to make this uh, professional. I've learned so much from you and Daryl and our friends and I'm getting good, not succinct, but I've had to say that, um, I'm not sorry. I um, appreciate you. Two questions. One, when I use your song on my next episode, how can I promote you in a way that's tasteful and we get the most um, for you? So just as a heads up, um, if it's the mug song, um, that one, I'm, we don't make publicly available for everybody. That's like for, you know, for me in the live stream. Um, um, but for creator music or for creator mix, um, for that, you can just put a link um, down in the description, just a little thing saying, you know, music by, um, that would be awesome. But you don't even have to do that. But it's just, you know, uh, you, know just a, you know, just a solid, you know, just letting people know where you got it from helps us out, you know, in the long run. But says, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, also, if I'm using um, filters, characters on another app like Snapchat, I can legally use those in my episodes, right? I'm not sure um, with like, um, I think the filters are fine, but like when it comes to adding like stickers and things like that, um, I would be careful there. But it says there's no watermarks or anything. Um, lots of love to Daniel Roberto and the amazing people here, especially Chantel. Um, God bless us all. Um, hug popcorn, your awesome girlfriend. Get here on a show with you. Um, thank you um, for um, all of your love and support and wisdom, Liberty. 
So thank you for that. Yeah, so just like a, you know, so like a, a link to um, Creator Mix. Um, but again, you know, like it's not required, but we just super appreciate it when people do, you know, kind of help spread awareness about those. Because um, then, you know, it's just more. And just a heads up in terms of awareness. So for those of you that are not familiar, um, so Creator Mix is uh, what she's talking about there, um, is a music service that we created for content creators. It's free. Um, so if you're using currently like Epidemic Sound, stuff like that, like they're cool for like sound effects and they have really great music as well. But if you're like, hey, I, I want to save some money and, you know, all that, we have Creator Mix um, where you can use the music for free in your videos. If you're a live streamer, um, you can stream it in the background, like whatever, it's totally fine. Um, but you can find that at creatormix.com. And while I'm here and I'm talking about stuff, uh, actually, you know, I'll do that one in a second. I'll go do it now. Um, for tube spanner users that are not currently using your notepad, just a reminder to do so. I should have actually said that like, you know, two hours ago. Um, but if you're not familiar with tube spanner, I do want to let everybody know about that as well. Um, they actually have a browser extension that helps you with your YouTube channel, um, helps you with like uploading um, efficiently. You can add like um, uh, preset uploads and a bunch of them. You can add very specific parts of your description. So for example, if you have like, um, like an affiliate disclaimer, you can just have that as like one box and you can just add that to the videos where you need it. Um, you can have, you know, you have like a fully customizable set of, they're called tokens that you can just click on and then you'll just add them right to your video description to really help you cruise through those. And you can share your content directly um, from the YouTube interface onto like Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, so you can basically say like, okay, go to the share tab and then you select the video that you want from a dropdown. And then you say, you know, this is the thing and you can schedule it, you know, um, there to share on whatever it is that you want, or you can share it like immediately at that moment in time. Plus it has like a bunch of cool stuff, like a notepad, you know, that you can take notes on any video on YouTube. You can even use it to download chapters from your videos as well. Um, all kinds of really awesome stuff in there, but you can check that out at um, tubespanner.com. Um, let's see here. Yeah. Shark Strapper says tube spanner is also a good source for bad dad jokes. Absolutely. Yeah. So she typically, she's actually traveling right now. Um, but she typically comes in and will drop like a dad joke per, uh, live stream. And, uh, they're pretty funny. I'm, I'm hoping that she'll eventually do like a, uh, uh, like a, like a, like a coffee table book or something. Um, the next channel that we have here is Michael Walsh. Michael Walsh, um, says that they do biweekly content. They've been on YouTube for less than six months. Um, the type of channel is drone and tech. The goal of the channel is to inspire others into the world of tech and into the world around and the world around them. The question is, can you do another breakdown on a YouTube channel, getting traction on my video, but I'm sure that I'll make mistakes along the way. Everybody makes mistakes along the way. I've been doing this for a long time. I still make mistakes too. It's just part of the process, right? So every mistake that you make, you learn from that mistake and then it just helps you get better for the next time. Um, it's just part of the, you know, part of the process. And if we weren't making mistakes, we wouldn't be growing in any capacity, right? If everything was always perfect, then that means that we're there, you know, like we're not growing. So, um, and I'm not just saying growing in terms of like, you know, getting subscribers or views, but I mean, just growing as people and our understanding and, you know, that kind of stuff. But um, when it comes to the breakdowns on the channel or looking at the channel, we do that during our monetization live streams, which are different than these. These are basically where I'm just answering, you know, everybody's questions to try to help people demystify what it is that they're doing on YouTube and just add clarity to, you know, a lot of the, you know, things that happen here on the platform. And the monetization streams are where we actually pull up channels and we don't really give best practices channel reviews there um, like we used to do. Instead, um, now the monetization channel reviews are for people that are trying to make money from their YouTube channels. Um, so we basically pull up a channel and then we just brainstorm um, on like different ways that they might be able to make money from, from the content that they're putting out. Christina says, best learning comes from mistakes. Boy, does it. 
boy, does it. I've learned a lot. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, mistakes. Oh, so many. Um, so next up, we got how we got here. Genealogy um, says that uh, they do family history, education, and storytelling content. The goal of the channel is to create evergreen content that will help in eventual retirement. The question is, I woke up this morning to ha and have 106 more subscribers than five hours ago and that I did last night, but no new views. Oh, but no new videos recently. But I redid a few of my videos using Google Trends for the title phraseology that you suggested. Thanks, Nick. Your channel membership is the best $5 a person who wants to grow can spend. Thank you. Um, and to all of the Niminati. That's awesome. So basically, um, one of the things, and this is something for everybody to keep in mind too, since he shared this here. So basically, one of the things that um, we did, and I actually spelled it wrong, um, is something that I came to find out later. But one of the things that we did is because he has a genealogy channel, we hopped into Google Trends and we looked for ways that people are looking for his type of content. So instead of cramming it into the box of genealogy, we were like, okay, are they looking for like family history more? Are they looking for genealogy? And we might've even looked for, you know, a few other things as well. But basically what we found through looking at Google Trends in terms of how the general public is thinking about it, because if you're a genealogist, like, you know, he is and like Amy is, then in that case, it's like, you know, like, like they think of it in terms of genealogy and family history, but the goal was we're trying to figure out, you know, how people look for those types of things at scale. Um, so we, in that process, one of the things that we did is we just put in, you know, the two different phrases that people might be, or two different ways that people might be trying to find that content. And we found out that they were looking for the alternative a lot more, that they were just using that language. And the idea of using that information is when you are thinking about those types of things and we're thinking as content creators of how we're gonna connect to the people that we're trying to reach, one of the ways that you do that is through speaking to them in the language that they speak. So in that particular case, figuring out like, hey, people are looking, you know, they're thinking of genealogy in this way. So then you make those adjustments like, hey, you know, they're thinking of it in this way. So let me present it in that way, right? So um, another thing, is like on my channel, um, an example that I like to give for this is, you know, you can use this even down to the little tiny details. Like for example, um, on my channel, you know, when I talk about, you know, when I make videos about TubeBuddy, um, you know, since those are typically like search targeted videos, one of the things that I do is I, you know, will go and I'll use any product that I might be a little bit confused on how people might be looking for it. I'll hop on Google Trends and I'll be like, hey, are people looking for this as one word? Are they looking for it for two words? Or like, how are they actually trying to find this? And then I'll get that information and then I'll write my title based around how people are thinking about it, right? Like how are people looking for this? Because that means if people are looking for it more that way, then more people are thinking about it that way. So when you're writing your title, one of the things that it does is it helps you communicate with the people that you're trying to reach in the language that they use to find the content or just to identify the content that you're, that you're making. So that's the approach there for everybody else. Um, let's see here. So next up on the uh, list here, we've got um, Elku, the Variety Gamer. Um, they upload one time per week or more. They have a gaming channel for Let's Plays videos mainly. Um, give me one second here. If you're enjoying the show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend right now. Check, 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 check. Okay, um, I'm just gonna do a, a level check here. Is that coming through okay? I'm just gonna stand up here for a second, maybe have to move around. You know, I can do this with my other microphone. Scratch that, hold on. All right. 
So I'm just going to do this. Yeah, my, my uh, back from sitting in that chair is like a little bit weird. No, I'm not going to rap, <laughs> Christina. I've actually I've actually got a song pinned to the very top of the uh, uh, comments right now. That is a rap. Um, it's a rap about coffee. It's my it's my taking a break song. If I need to like, I'll just say get a coffee. But like if I need to use the restroom or, you know, if I need to stretch out or something, then uh, then I'll then I'll play that. But uh, Christina's like, I wanted him to rap. <laughs> so uh um, let's see here. So the variety gamer says, um, I'm really passionate about games and I want to share my love um, with games for others. Also, I'd love if I could someday do this as a job. Um, the question is, Hey, is there any way to tag your channel as a gaming channel on your own? Or is it something YouTube will automatically eventually tag the channel as I've been making gaming videos for four months now on social blade. It doesn't show up as a channel type might just be a social blade problem as well. Um, but is there something that I need to do on my own? to tell YouTube that I produce gaming content so YouTube will know um, to show it for that audience or is it just a matter of time? So the best thing that you can do is to make sure that your you know titles and everything are all you know about the game. Um, and then by doing that, YouTube will be able to you know decipher that um, over time. So you can find you know other channels in YouTube gaming as well. Um, so you know when people are looking around YouTube gaming for those things, then they'll end up you know showing up over there anyway. Um, so just by you know making content about the games, um, you you, you know, you'll, you know, you'll end up identifying yourself to the platform, so to speak, as a, uh, as a gaming channel. Next up, we've got uh, genealogy with Amy Johnson Crow. We're like all about genealogy for, for these few minutes here. <laughs> she does bi-weekly content, the type of channels, family history. That's what I'm talking about. Um, the goal of the channel is um, encourage people to explore their family history and grow my business. And the question is, do you have suggestions for how to position light panels so you don't get reflections or glare in your glasses? I'm using two LCD panels. I don't really have space for a soft box. Absolutely. So <laughs> Nimmin Live, all genealogy, all the time. I <laughs> love it. So uh, when it comes to, I am going to grab the microphone for this one. So when it comes to uh, positioning your, just doing a quick audio level check, not sure if this is going to be crazy or not, but let me turn the automation off and let me go to wide. Okay, so when it comes to positioning your lights, um, what you want to do is you want to have your light above your vertical plane of sight. So for example, like me, I'm animated, right? So like when I talk and stuff, make videos, like I try to hold it together but you know sometimes i'll you know use my hands a lot i have this thing where I, i'll like point you know here a lot i don't know why it's just a thing that i do um, but basically um since i move around a lot one of the things that i do is i have my lights that are that are up above that vertical plane so if i'm moving my my head back and forth then then there's no there's no light that can glare right so because of that if you put them a little bit further away if you can and then raise them up above that plane of sight, then that will keep the, um, th that'll keep the glare out of your glasses. Um, now, one thing you do have to be careful of is you do have to be careful um, about like the the light that you're using. So you mentioned that you don't use a soft box because you know you don't have the space for it. One thing that can be beneficial though when it comes to using a soft box, especially if you're wearing glasses and especially if you put the lights up like that or e really just using light at all. Um, when you soften the light, it also softens the shadows. That's why people use soft boxes. So because of that, um, I'm, I'm gonna show you something really quick. I'm gonna play the Brian G. Johnson video while I grab this because it's going to take me about 30 seconds, but I'm going to show you something that might be a solution for you that you can um, use. So I'm going to play a video for you here really quick.
Check, check, one, two. I'm B to the G, it's easy to see what you need, it's attention from me, I'll give you the shout, get back on the grind and you'll be down for the count, trying to breathe, your favorite is me, now you hit with the disc, all of that hair hanging there like a chick, man give me a break, you're standing too close to the camera like Nick, where is the claim that you say, Filmora is hate, call me a thief for the titles you hate, I taught you the rank, you seem to forget it, I hit it and quit it, and you try to walk in my wake, I'm tossing you weight, giving you shine, giving you clout by doing this with my time, and what I'm about, I am your guide, you come to my console, but now you're denied, you, you, Wanna, wanna throw, throw shade It's too late, I already got it made You, you, wanna, wanna bring, bring hate Hit, hit the road, hater, cause I'm not phased If you're messing with G, you're messing with me The name is Nick and I'll bend in a knee Disturbing the peace, I'll come back into battle and murder a beat I heard you eat worms like a bird, like a tree Just like these words of defeat I think Beanie should draw you and make you a T They're waiting on me, who's waiting on you? If it wasn't for Johnson, you wouldn't have views or a clue you wouldn't know what to do The only extremes I see is your food yeah, This is just weak, yes I mean to be rude Change of your scene, technique, everything about you and the future you seek It's bleak, I don't mean to allude to the fact that you racked up a debt with the best in this view You just got wrecked by the crew You, you, wanna, wanna throw, throw shade It's too late, I already got it made You Okay, so um, when it comes to diffusing your, um, your light So if you're using LED panels like this, then one thing that you can do, and you can get these on Amazon, is you can get these. So this is a really small uh, softbox that you can use for, uh, for LED panels. And basically how it works is it has this thing in the back and you can use it for a bunch of different size panels as well. But it has this thing in the back. It comes with, I think, like two or three different straps. So if your LED panels on a tripod, then basically you can just put this over it and just kind of like lean it on the panel. And then you use these straps to make sure that, you know, it doesn't fall off or whatever. And then basically how the whole thing comes together is your light will, you know, be you know, either back behind it like this, or it'll actually be inside. And then of course held up by the, uh, you know, tripod or whatever, depending on, you know, how everything's, you know, set up. Um, but basically what that does is that will still give you that diffusion. It'll still soften the light for you and keep, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll make the, the shadows around your glasses, um, more soft. And in addition to that, you know, another thing is like when you, when you soften the light like that, um, one of the things that it also does is it also, so it's, it's just a more flattering um, image because like the, the, the reason that people use soft boxes when they're, when they're recording people is because, <clears throat> excuse me, the reason people use soft boxes when they're recording people is because when, when you are using undiffused light, it makes the shadows harsh. So since the shadows are harsh, then what happens is like, you know, wrinkles will stand out. Um, uh, like sometimes depending on like where the lights are positioned, it can put like harsh shadows like next to your nose or like here, like you see these lines, it would make these lines like a lot more intense as well. Um, but when the light is softened, what it does is if you can imagine a drop shadow, right? Um, if you're in like Photoshop or Canva or something and you are using a drop shadow and then you have it at like zero, 
to where, you know, there's no, you know, diffusion on that drop shadow and it's just that hard shadow, right? But then as you start moving it up and it starts, you know, uh, like, so, like softening that shadow, then, then it becomes just like a, you know, nice shadow, but it gets to the point to where you can almost not even tell there's like a real shadow on it because it's so wide. So that's kind of what the diffusion does with the light is when it hits your, uh, you know, when it hits your, your face, then it cuts down on the extreme nature of that light hitting you. So you can sort of technically do this when you, if you just turn the light down, but it's still not the same. Um, you'll find that if you, you know, get one of those things, um, or technically, you can do other things too. Like um, you can go, if you're like, hey, I don't wanna spend, I think that thing's like 20 bucks or something on Amazon. But if you're like, hey, I don't wanna buy that. Um, if you have just something large and white around your place, you can even use that. Technically you can even hang, like um, if you have like a white bed sheet um, or a white pillowcase or even a white t-shirt, um, you could even hang like that. Um, technically you'd probably have to cut it, um, but basically you could even hang that in front of it and just turn the light up a little bit to compensate for the light that it takes away. And then even that will diffuse the light a little bit. You can also use, um, what's it called? Um, it's not called baking paper, um, but it's basically like the paper, it's like a wax paper, maybe it's called wax paper, but you can like put it, you know, you can like cook with it and stuff like that. Um, you can use that as like a, as like a, you know, DIY diffusion as well. Just, you can experiment with those types of things. Um, and that will, you know, that, that will help with that. Um, so um, how we got here, genealogy says, um, I'm large and white, but still have issues. Um, parchment paper, there we go. Yeah, parchment paper, freezing paper, whatever, whatever it's called. Hopefully you'll get the idea there on that. But yeah, so um, if you have the, um, if you do have like large diffusion and you still have those issues, then the next thing would be to move the light farther away if you can, um, or turn the light down and then make the adjustments on your camera to open that up a little bit. Um, because what could be happening is the light could still be coming through more intense, even though it's getting diffused. So because of that, you'd wanna adjust the light to where it's turned down a bit, but then you compensate for it by maybe raising your ISO a little bit in your camera or something like that. Um, um, so like in my case, like, um, I'm not sure, like on camera, like the room looks pretty dark. Um, and it's because really it is like, um, I mean, it's, 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 it's light. Um, and there's a lot of light like bouncing around the room, but like, really like these lights are turned down to like almost off. I mean, not really off, but I mean, you know, they're, they're at like some of the lowest settings for my, for my video lights, the ones that are hitting me from the front. And um, the reason for that is I, you know, I want to have that light coming out soft and diffused. Um, and then I'll, you know, adjust the camera accordingly in order to try to make everything look as soft as possible. Um, so she says, um, the, um, a lot of my issues, the lights are too low um, to the plane where I'm positioned. Yeah, if you just raise them up a little bit, then that'll help. But the, the reason that I'm going through the explanation on the shadow is what's probably going to happen. And this is gonna depend on the style of your glasses, exactly how they sit on your face and stuff. But one of the problems that you can run into is when you raise the, um, the, the lights up, then it's going to hit your frames different. And when it hits your frames different, sometimes it can cause the shadow to end up like coming down a little bit and then it can end up like looking weird. So if you find that that happens, that's where you have to kind of double up on the diffusion and figure out how to, you know, kind of soften that shadow. So then it becomes to where you can't even like really tell unless you're really looking for it. Um, let's see here. So next up on our, uh, next up on our list, We've got Hobby Genix. 
Hobbygenics says that the goal of their channel is to share what I do and grow an income stream. The question is, I have two channels linked to one email account, uh, one email and Google account. Is there a way to separate them um, with two emails and Google accounts in case something happens to one another? Two channels linked to one email and Google account. Um, you can move YouTube channels um, to different email addresses. You can do that. It's been so long since I've done that that I'm not sure the process now. Um, I mean, it's been like a really long time since I've, since I've needed to do that with clients. So I, I'm not sure um, now the the process to actually do that um i'm 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 like 90 percent sure that you can still do that um but you used to be able to um so i would just hop on like google and then go to like the google help pages and see if you can find an article over there that will um that will help you with that wish i could help you more on that one but i just i, I can't remember um just because it's been so long since i've had to since i've had to mess with that um let's see here yeah, I get monitor reflections. I do get that. So there's other things you can do there too. Like, <clears throat> for example, because um, I see Chantel, she says um, that's his monitor reflection. If she's talking about like, you know, some of the other reflections I get. So basically I have, you know, this, this monitor that's right here in front of me. So I have this monitor right here. And uh, with this monitor, you can see I have these two like white panels that are on this monitor. No, this one might actually be better. Yeah, okay, so here we go. So you can see right here, I have this white panel and you can see when I put my hand here, you can see all the white that's coming off of that. So one thing that I do, so for my news live streams, um, because that one I use a green screen, so everything gets like really weird with that. So one thing that I do is I have a plugin and let me see if I can turn this on here and you'll be able to see it if you just watch this screen right here. Um, but this plugin, it's called dark mode. And when I turn that on, it's a browser extension. When I turn that on now, you know, it takes that away. Right. So the problem when it comes to monitor glare um, is it's the color of what's happening on your screen. So like if you have a lot of white um, on the screen, then what's going to happen is it's going to, you know, that can get in your glasses and all that stuff. Um, but if you do change it to dark mode, then it, then it removes a lot of those issues as well. So. Um, so so Christina Smallhorn says is coatings on your glasses help. So I have these other glasses. I have these, um, and with these, these have the coating on them, but unfortunately the coating with video lights causes this like weird, um, it, it's like a purple, you, you can even see it. Like, see when I, when I move these like right there, like the color that comes into them, it's, it's like a weird purplish thing. So because of that, when I changed glasses, I, I didn't get the coating on them um, for that particular reason. They, they probably make, you know, they probably make like no glare glasses or something like that these days. Um, but I just haven't, you know, like over here, I haven't been able to, you know, find them or really like I haven't even really like looked that hard. <laughs> so they're probably available. Um, but, you know, I, I just haven't looked that hard to try to solve that outside of just taking the, the, the glare off. Um, Irvine Mesa is our, uh, next question. A silver, uh, silver seeker says, love your setup, man. Legit. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, um, it's been a, you know, it's been a work in progress, still a work in progress. Uh, you know, if I'm honest, um, but basically like the, the setup I've got, um, like over here to run the thing, this is a A10 mini extreme, um, ISO, but you can get the smaller versions of these to where it has like four buttons on it instead of the eight to where you have four inputs. And then the cool thing is I have macros on here to where if I wasn't standing up right now, um, I can turn this on and it'll just switch automatically, uh, you know, through all the different cameras. And then that will, you know, kind of make it seem like there's like somebody controlling it or whatever, but it just kind of makes everything a little bit more interesting, gives people something to look at when people are hanging out here for a long time. Um, and 
Then down here, this is the Rodecaster Pro. Um, this is how I you know, process the audio to make sure everything sounds good. I have the backup mic in there as well in case I have a problem with this one or whatever. Um, and yeah, pretty much it. And then the cameras. This is a Sony A7S III. Um, I just recently um, put that one here for the for the main setup. I used to just have this as my B-roll camera, and I used the A6500 here. Um, but I just decided to you know just upgrade it once I got the 35 millimeter lens for it, and just use it on a regular basis here. Um, and then this one here. The corner one is a A6500 Sony with a 16 millimeter uh, 1.4 lens. This one is also that same exact camera with the same exact lens. This one over here is a Canon 90D with a, um, what is this? I think it's like an 18 to 35, I believe, uh, lens on that particular one. And then I have some other ones too. Like I've got the GoPro up here that's not turned on uh, currently. And I used to have a back camera, um, but that one's gone. Um, I've actually moved that one over to the um, to the studio that I was supposed to be in tonight streaming with my brother. Um, and then I also have another, uh, what's it called? It's a Sony ZV-1, I think it is, um, that I also had as an extra shot as well. But yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. I like tinkering with this stuff. It just makes the whole thing, you know, it just makes it, you know, kind of fun. And uh, just trying to, you know, perfect it and make things look cool and, you know, all of that. Hey, MJ Recording. Hope you're doing awesome. So um, let's see here. So next up, we've got Irvine Mesa. Irvine Mesa says they do web coding tutorials. The goal of the channel is to teach entry-level web developers introduction to web coding, HTML, and CSS. Um, the question is, I get about 6,000 views per month. I just added some affiliate links for selling online courses, but views are not buying. Viewers are not buying. What do you think I should do for my viewers to buy? Um, first off, make sure you're spreading awareness about the courses. Cause sometimes people will put stuff in their description, but they don't let people know they have things down there. So you gotta make sure you are letting people know that you have things available in your video description so they can know to go down there to get them. Um, next, consider the content that you're making. So for example, like if you have a video and you're teaching somebody how to, um, you know, do something in like CSS, and if they're searching for that, like, hey, I'm trying to fix this problem in CSS, then they might be in the actual flow of actually building something and they're just trying to figure out how to make it, you know, move over, you know, this side with this much padding on it, right? So they might just be trying to solve that problem. They're not really interested in buying a course right now. Whereas if you are making a content, if you make a video on like the best courses for, uh, you know, the best courses for, you know, um, uh, you know, web developers, then in that particular case, the people that would click on that video would be more primed for that information. Or if you could do like reviews. So as part of your, you know, content cadence, you could have like a, a monthly review video that you do to where you're like, hey, I went through this course and this is my feedback. I do this every month. So if you are, you know, wanting to learn faster and you are buying courses, then, you know, uh, make sure you check into these videos. But this video is a review on this particular course. And then you go through, you talk about the pluses and minus or the positives and negatives of that course. And then you let people know that you have a link to it down in the description if it's something, you know, if it ends up being positive. But I would also throw some bad ones in there too, um, just so that you can, you know, just be transparent and just let people know, hey, this one isn't that great. So watch this video on this other one that I made. Um, so that you can, you know, go into like one that you're going to learn the most from those sites of things. Um, but the idea is to make sure that you are spreading awareness and make sure that the 
intent of the viewer when they're watching the content would be a um, would be a good prime for them actually making a purchase, right? So when you're promoting stuff, we talk about this a lot in the monetization streams that we do, but when you're promoting something as an affiliate, you can go like the passive approach, which is where you just put links in your description, don't really say much about them, but they're just down there. Um, and then you have the active approach, which is where you're like, I'm trying to bring attention to these. So you're letting people know, oh, hey, by the way, I got link, helpful links down in the video description, or like, hey, if you're just getting started in you know web development, um, make sure you check out the video description. I have a ton of stuff down there. It's gonna help you out in a bunch of different ways. Just by saying that in all in your videos when you're making them will be a way that you spread awareness for the people that are like, oh, hey, I am getting started. Maybe I'll check the description. Maybe I'll end up, you know, clicking on and buying some of that stuff that's down there. Um, so just making sure that you are being intentional um, with what it is that you're doing. And when you are being active versus passive on the affiliate side, it does come down to your content decisions as well and making sure that you are making some content that is designed for the sole purpose of bringing attention to those things for people that are in the process of considering buying those things or looking for those solutions. We, we talk about this extensively in the, um, in the, in the monetization streams that we do. Um, Vilder Art is our next question. Um, they have an art channel. The goal of the channel says, I wanna be making a living with my art and video content. Um, the question is, I'm currently in the process of pivoting my content from short animation art related fan content for a specific game to original art related content, longer form videos. Are there any tips you have for people wanting to pivot the content on their channel, especially if you've already built somewhat of an audience on that channel already? So um, one thing that YouTube recommends is YouTube recommends that you take a 70-20-10 approach. Um, basically 70% of the content that you put out over, you know, let's say like the next 90 days, while you're in the process of this pivot is content that is already driving the channel, right? Content that you know that you can count on to, you know, kind of, you know, serve the audience to, you know, you know, that people will come in and enjoy. Um, <clears throat> and then the 20% is content that is for the purpose of moving in the new direction. And then 10% is content that's moving in the new direction, but it's wildly experimental. So for example, let's say that you're <clears throat> just because we were talking about that coding channel. No, we'll just do art. So since you're doing art, Let's say that you are going, which you are, you're going from the um, fan content to original art. So then in that particular case, you make some of that fan content and then maybe as some of the wildly experimental stuff, you start making some of that fan content, but then you do it in a way that that only people that might be interested in like your original art might tap into it. So for example, instead of just using stuff from the games, you make something completely original, but it's still symbolic of that game in some way so that you know some of those people would still come in, but then they'd be impressed by your original art. And then the 20% is like, hey, I'm just on the original art you know, with these videos. And then using, that you are basically still serving the audience that you have while slowly introducing them to the new content that you have while also having a little bit of crossover there with the wildly experimental stuff um, so that you can start building up the audience for the new direction that you're going without just completely just on like a 180 on the channel and then all of a sudden you're publishing stuff that, the, that your current viewers don't care about anymore you're doing it in a way that's a little bit slower but it's intentional and that gives you time to build that audience up for the new direction that you are going with the uh, content 
Um, next up, we got Stormy Rail, uh, Stormy Sky Rail Productions. Um, they do trains and weather content. The goal is to have fun and eventually make money. And the question is, thanks for the tip on the throat coat tea. It works great. How many days in advance do you recommend scheduling a premiere? Thanks for all your help. Um, so if you don't have a lot of people interacting with your channel, schedule it, you know, a decent amount of days in advance, like um, publish a video, give that video, you know, a little bit of time to breathe, maybe like a day or two, and then, and then, you know, start promoting the premiere. Um, if you have like an engaged audience, then technically you can do it like the day before. Technically you can do it same day, depending on, you know, the time of day that you publish. Um, but just give it enough time to where a decent amount of your audience will, you know, have time to actually see the premiere so that they can click that reminder to come in and watch. Um, next up, we've got uh, Chain Samai's Kitchen. Um, they do cooking and baking content. The goal is to share my passion with others and make some side income. The question is, hey, Nick, what do you think about a branded intro video for my cooking channel? The idea is I edit each step of my cooking video into a six-second video for an intro. If people comment a disrespectful comment, should I remove a report? Should I reply back? Thanks for all you do. Um, if they comment a disrespectful comment, take the words that are disrespectful, put them in your blocked words list. Um, I have a whole part about that um, that you can watch on the replay um, because we'll have timestamps um, in here. So make sure you look for that. But the second one is no, don't do the intro. Um, I mean, you can try it. If you try it, look in your audience retention reports and you're likely to see a dip in viewership during there. It might be a skip or it might be where people start abandoning the video during that. Um, if you notice that you take even a small percentage hit in people leaving during that intro, you want to lose it. And the reason for that is because looking at it from the perspective of one video is like, okay, so I lost, you know, 5% of the viewers during this video so that I could show this intro, not a big deal, don't care. However, if you take that idea and you scale it across 100 videos, all of a sudden that becomes a substantial amount of people that you're missing the opportunity to connect with um, because it was more important to show your logo and this whole branded intro thing. Um, so because of that, I really encourage you to, if you, if you wanna do it, test it if you want to, but you'll see what I mean once you do. Um, but you know, typically what happens is when people, you know, play those types of intros in their videos is people will abandon the video during that. So because of that, if anybody here has an intro, go look in your audience retention reports, see if people are leaving during that intro. And if they are, stop using your intro, like get into the content, give them what it is that they're coming in there for, um, instead of, you know, come up with something else. If you're like, hey, I just want to get that extra six seconds out of people come up with something else, um, you know, come up with, you know, uh, you know, maybe a, a hook that maybe is a little bit longer, or, you know, maybe it's a little bit more detailed, or, you know, something like that to make up for that six seconds, if you're like really wanting it. But you know, like people don't come onto YouTube to watch intros, they come onto YouTube to watch content. So the branded intro thing, like, um, you know, back in the day, you know, that was a big deal. And in some cases, it can still hold attention in some cases. But in most cases, it's not in most cases, it's not going to. So because of that, that's why I said, like, you know, experiment with it and see, you know, how your audience responds. But if you notice that there's any type of of drop during that six seconds, which I'm telling you, there's there's going to be. <laughs> but if you're like, hey, you know, I, I just want to try it, then you're going to see that there's that drop and then you should um, and then you should, you know, remove it from from that point forward. Um, let's see here. Next up, we have Rapid Repair DIY. Rapid Repair DIY does home improvement DIY videos. The goal of the channel is to help people um, and become an authority in the home repair field. And the question is, three months on YouTube so far, 720 subs. When should I apply for Amazon affiliate links? So if you are getting regular views on your videos, um, then you can go ahead and, and, and apply for the Amazon program like now. Um, when you get approved for that, keep in mind that you have like a 90 day period where you have to send at least one sale or else they'll take the account down and then you're gonna have to reapply again later. So 
that's why I say to make sure that you are getting, you know, at least some consistent views on your channel. And also make sure that before you apply, that you are thinking about the specific ways that you're gonna bring attention to those links so that the moment you're approved, that you can go into content mode, or as Renee says, you can get to contenting. And then when you get to contenting and making your videos, then you can um, say like, okay, these videos, I'm trying to bring attention to these things. So I gotta make sure that I'm, you know, letting people know I have these descriptions, make sure I'm using these products or whatever, so that you can, you know, intentionally bring awareness to the links that you um, have available to make sure that you hit that qualifier initially. It might be two sales. Yeah, it's either one or two. Um, but basically, you just wanna make sure that you are, um, you know, hitting that qualification. So you just wanna make sure that you have a plan in place in terms of bringing attention to that. So what I recommend that you do is the streams that um, that I have on my channel, I think I've got like four or five of them now for the monetization streams, go and watch those, um, or just listen to them in the background if you want, because um, within those, I talk a lot about of affiliate, a lot about affiliate marketing and a lot of um, um, information about, you know, ways to bring attention to links and being intentional about the content, viewer intent, you know, things like that. Um, let's see here. Um, you apply for Amazon affiliate by, um, if you just go to Google and you look for um, Amazon um, Associates program, then um, then you should have, you know, one of the first links that pop up will we'll take you there. Uh, the beauty food chick. Um, let's see here. Next up, we've got Going Crazy in the Kitchen. Um, they have a food channel. Um, the goal of the channel is to reach an audience to that enjoy my videos, some more than now. Um, the question is, I'm a typical Swedish foodie. I cook Italian once a day and Swedish childhood memories another. Japanese, the third, and a uh, Senegalese stew, the fourth. Is this hurting the channel? Should I niche down um, or at least niche down to a series um, for some well-specific food? My channel is in English because Sweden is too small of a country for my taste. Um, so if you're a food channel and you notice that people are responding better to your Swedish food or better to the Italian food um, or better to the Japanese food, making more of that content might be something to consider, but if you're a food channel and you're sharing food, then I wouldn't just isolate to like, hey, I'm just on Japanese food unless you wanted to. Um, instead, I would say like, hey, I'm gonna make sure that if people typically respond to this better, then I'm putting out, you know, more of these, but I'm also gonna put out, you know, some of the other stuff too, because, you know, people that are interested in making food are interested in making food. Um, so because of that, um, you know, I, I would definitely, uh, um, I, I don't think that you're, you know, too broad there because you're, you know, showing people how to make food. I mean, people do have tastes, you know, as well. So, you know, that's where, you know, figuring out like, hey, when I, over time, you're gonna figure out with all the different types of foods that you make, you're gonna figure out this one performs the worst, this one always does like, eh, and then this one, you know, it's kind of like it gets the job done, but it's not, you know, like awesome. And then you're gonna find that one is always a top performer. So once you get that information from your channel, that's where you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm gonna really lean into that. Okay, you say Italian does the best. Yeah, so then in that case, I would lean most into Italian food. Um, and I would consider like, you know, if you wanted to experiment with it, then, you know, one of the things that you could consider is like, hey, you know, over the next 90 days, I'm just gonna do Italian. And I'm just gonna see, you know, if, if people respond to that, you know, more just for people that love Italian food and build the, you know, whole thing over the next 90 days, just based on Italian food. And just see, you know, if that's, you know, one, if that's something that you wanna do. Two, see if they respond well to that. Um, but if the better is different, you know, if, if there's like thousands of views difference, um, then in that case, you know, that would be the way to go. If it's like, you know, like a hundred view difference or something like that, then, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make that 
definitive call yet. Um, but if you're like, hey, you know, these always do way better, um, then in that case, you know, that is definitely content that you want to lean on to. Lean into, sorry. Um, let's see here. Yeah, and that's clever too. I can make a sweetest take on different Italian food. Yeah, like getting creative like that, like to where, you know, the thing is framed around like the Italian food and then you are, you know, mixing in like other, you know, kind of doing fusions and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely, you definitely do that. But um, but one thing that I, one thing that I would do is I would, you know, you've already ident identified that the Italian food, you know, does the best. So if the Italian food does the best, I would just make that priority content. And if it was mine, I would experiment with just doing that for the next 90 days if you're trying to get that initial, you know, ball rolling, so to speak, um, and just see if, you know, by niching down into Italian food, if you, you know, can become a resource for Italian food. But before you do that, also make sure that you have a bunch of video ideas um, before you start walking down that path so you can ensure sustainability for the channel. That's one thing I always talk about. Like when I do presentations and stuff, um, when I go to conferences, like one of the things that I always, you know, make sure to bring to people's attention is just sustainability when it comes to this, because like, it's awesome, you know, when you have like a video takeoff or a handful of videos take off, but like, you know, the, the thing you got to make sure that you also remember is that, you know, as a content creator, you're going to be doing this for a while. So because of that, you have to make sure that what you're doing is also sustainable so that you can do it for a while, <laughs> right? So because of that, you know, like when you are, you know, if you're like, hey, I'm going to do, you know, Italian food, make sure that you're like, hey, these are all of, you know, I got like, you know, 300 different recipes that I can do for Italian food um, so that you can make sure that you have, you know, enough content that you're going to be able to put, you know, videos out on a regular basis for a while. All right. On that note, Captain Savage Aquatics. Hey, what's going on, man? Hope you're doing awesome. Welcome to the Nimenati. Welcome to the Nimenati. Make sure when you get the chance, um, you go to nimenvip.com. It's going to redirect you to the service that I use to manage my memberships. It's called Members Amp. And um, with that, just make sure you connect everything up. Um, once you're in there, there's going to be a direct link to our members only Facebook group. So make sure that you do, um, you know, check that out because there, you know, you, if you have a question about something, you can just tag me and then, you know, we can take it from there. We also do live streams in there on a regular basis, that kind of stuff. Um, so just make sure that you go through that. As soon as you connect, you're going to get like instant rewards and, and that kind of stuff, like some downloads and that kind of stuff. Um, so just make sure that you do that. If you can do that like now, then I can, um, I can add you to the group right here in uh, just a few minutes. Brandon's recovery. TV. I do have a TikTok. Um, if you just look for Nick Nimmin, um, you will find me on TikTok. So with all that said, I want to thank everybody for hanging out in the stream today. Um, I hope that you, you know, learned something from the conversation today. Um, you know, if you are a new content creator, you know, one thing that I do want to, you know, remind you of is that, you know, some of this stuff can take time. Um, but, you know, the best thing that you can do is try to just pick a thing that you can improve on like this week um, or a couple of things that you can improve on this week instead of trying to tackle like everything all at once because there's so much nuance to all of this. Um, but basically just like try to, <laughs> hey, thank you, Christina. Um, but uh, I still got a while, but, but thank you. I still got like a month. But like, uh, uh, just make sure that, you know, like it, it, like when you hang out in streams like this with all the information, um, sometimes it can be like, man, I got so much stuff that I, that I have to, you know, learn. I got so much stuff that I have to do. Um, you know, you do, you know, it's not easy. That's why, you know, everybody that starts a YouTube channel doesn't have like huge YouTube channels um, because it's not, you know, it's not easy. But one thing that you, uh, one thing that you want to make sure that you are doing though, is that you're like, hey, you know, this is where I'm at in the learning curve. This is where I'm at in the learning process of, you know, doing this thing. So let me just embrace that and let me, you know, take 
take this time to like learn how to make better thumbnails, learn how to make better titles, learn how to make the videos, learn how to read my analytics, you know, those types of things. And, you know, when you when you apply that effort, then what's going to happen is that's the process literally of putting one foot in front of the other in terms of like, I'm learning this, now I'm learning this, now I'm learning this. And next thing you know, you're going to be down here in the learning curve and you're gonna be like, wow, I, I, like now I know what I'm doing. Now I know how to grab people's attention. Now I know how to make videos they respond to better. Now my channel's growing faster, you know, those types of things. So just embrace that. And, um, and, and I'll see you next time. <laughs> Have a great rest of your weekend. Stay safe out there and um, and I will see you uh, next time. By the way, I also have things in my video description as well that will help you out as content creators. So if there are things that, you know, that you're looking for or, you know, whatever, I've just got, you know, a bunch of useful stuff down there for you. So make sure that you check that out as well. And um, I will see you next Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern. Um, I'll also see you on Monday, I believe, for a monetization stream. Um, and I will see you next Friday for the news as well. And um, besides that, everybody have an awesome rest of your weekend and I'll see you next time.